What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Bandwagon Nerds is taped in front of a live studio audience. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome in to another edition of Bandwagon Nerds, episode 131 of Bandwagon Nerds right here on the Chairshot Radio Network, a part of the Chairshot.com. I am your host of the day, the lawyer, Dave Unger. Uh, our fearless leader, Patrick O'Dowd, may or may not turn up. That's some not like the vegetable turn up, but he may just turn up eventually <laughs> and, and, and stop in. That's why he's a part of the call, but he wasn't quite sure about that, but of course, I am not alone today because I am joined by two of my very best friends, including my very bestie birthday buddy, the one and only the live studio audience, PC Tunney. Happy birthday, Mr. Tunney. Thank you very much. Uh, you call me Mr. Saturday Night or you could call me he does Mr. Have, Synergy. He's got his Synergy bat right there, Mr. Saturday. How about Mr. Saturday Synergy? There you go. That's, that's kind of a... Yep. Nothing like sitting in your house just swinging a baseball bat. Exactly, exactly. And the dogs are not happy about it, but you know they'll they'll get over it. Uh, just, I mean, it's like we got to come up with a new shirt design for Aesop at the beginning of every episode. And now you've got Saturday synergy, Saturday synergy, um, that sort of thing. So yeah, it's um, Jesus, hold on a second here. <laughs> All right, got the canine cologne uh, issues sorted away. PC Tunney, his birthday, shot a tremendous round of golf earlier today. He's doing pretty well with all of his synergistic effects. And also joining us today on the show is the uh, the charter, I mean, not a charter member, but he's 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 a he's the guy now. He is the guy, the one and only the violent gentleman, pickleball master of the universe, the one and only Aesop Mitchell. What's going on, man? Oh, I'm doing great. Absolutely fantastic. Uh, good weekend so far. Uh, Dave, you are the lawyer, right? I am. Uh, I've, I, I've been uh, threatened with a lawsuit uh, after my Friday night show because I made a, an audience member's kid cry. Uh, and apparently <laughs> he apparently has nightmares uh, now. You know, in two days, he's had nightmares. So. 
uh, I might need a good lawyer. I, I'd be happy to back you for free on that one, my man, and be like, good. it'll be a really quick case. It'll be like, um, did you buy a ticket? Did you happen to read the ticket and, and the release and, and kind of the license that you went into going into this thing? And have you ever actually watched a pro wrestling event of any sort at any time in your life? Why it's like it's like taking your kids. I got a four year old. I'm going to take him to see The Exorcist, and you're going to wonder why they're fucked up, right? Well, you you know, except like that's like scary stuff. I just yelled at the kid to stop clapping, so it's not like it's not like I really did anything. Sure, was there a, a Sam Raimi jump scare involved? Yeah, but uh, that's about it. Did you did you <laughs> did you have something like a headlock and say? That your arm was extra big and then tell him to stop clapping like Roman did. <laughs> yeah, yes, that's exactly what I did. You know, I, and those are weapons of mass destruction. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'll be happy to defend you. That's going to be a really quick lawsuit. A judge is going to be like, um, yeah, why the hell are we here? Yeah, Why are you here? I'm going <laughs> to sanction you for wasting my time in the court's time. It'll be pretty quick. But <laughs> anyway, uh, here on episode 131 uh, in, you know, frivolous lawsuits notwithstanding. We are going to this this to me, guys, this feels kind of like, I don't know. I think the title for this episode is probably unless something crazy happens. But it feels like this is kind of the calm before the storm, doesn't it? Because you've got Moon Knight's gone. There's no shows that we're watching other than, you know, I know Aesop and I are probably still watching Halo. That's coming to the season finale next week. Yeah, interesting. <laughs> kind of interesting stuff. Boy, the, I, but I, we're not going to talk Halo, but I saw a lot of people were just really upset. That John lost his virginity. I'm like, give the fucking guy a break, for God's sake. You know, just <laughs> let it go. My Lord. Uh, let it die. Let it please. die. Let it let let his virginity die and, and all that stuff. Um, but, you know, it seems like, you know, we're 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 still a couple weeks out from Obi-Wan Kenobi dropping. Uh, you know, we're a couple months out now from Thor Love and Thunder dropping. You got Miss Marvel. You got the boys coming up next month. You got, I think, Umbrella Academy coming up next month. This feels like the one week where, okay, <laughs> we don't really have a whole lot on tap. Maybe catch your breath, recharge a little bit. That doesn't mean there's nothing to talk about here because this uh, the first half of the episode is going to be all about just little news bites that we got uh, during the course of the week that we're going to talk about. And then because it was kind of a quiet week, on the back half of this episode, Aesop and I are going to do a special little mini project. It's kind of bringing the comic spotlight back and merging it with some of the projects that we did, like the the art project and that sort of thing, where Aesop and I are going to run down our top 10 story arcs, comic stories, whatever you want to call it, of all time. And that's, this is going to be a fun one. We did, I did a talk to Patrick about this. I said, Hey man, do you mind if we run with this or is that something you want to save for a, a, you know, a show later on? He gave us a blessing and said, go for it. And in fact, he actually confirmed with me yesterday during chair shot radio. Uh, we were talking about our great hockey predictions. Most of them pretty good so far. Um, he's like, you guys still going to do the comic thing. And I was like, yep. He goes, all right, perfect. That's going to be awesome. So that's going to be fun. I can't wait. I know Aesop's got a really deep knowledge of comics, uh, and as do I. I will toot my own horn a little bit. So I'm curious to see what stories made our list. Are yeah, you this is this is so difficult because we did 10, right? And I just off of my initial run through, you know, in my own brain, I got 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, uh, 10, 15, Six, seven, 20. Eight, uh, nine, I'm, 10, I think I'm close, like past 30 right now. Like, it, 
So I, I don't know if these are necessarily my top 10 in exact, uh, you know, numbering, but damn, I do love comics and I do love some of the stories that it's given us. Oh yeah. I had easy third. I mean, if you said make a top 50, I said, okay, that's easy enough. Uh, there's so many great stories, crossovers between, of course, the big two, uh, you know, there's indie comics out there, you know, you got stuff from image, you got dark horse, which I know is a division of something or other vertigo is a division of dc etc and so forth but we will uh we'll be talking about that on the back nine of i uh, see, see what i did there tony the back nine of the podcast so <laughs> tony likes that but we're going to kick off the uh, news around the nerdosphere aspect of things and we're going to start we're going to start talking about some uh some marvel stuff so i'll get a little bit of marvel music going here All right, fellas, here we go. Let's talk some news around the Nerdosphere Marvel edition here on episode 131 of Bandwagon Nerds. Um, First news item, a lot of people went to see Doctor Strange (laughs) 2. Whether whether you loved it, hated it, or were somewhere in the middle, uh, Doctor Strange 2 surpassed 500 million heading into its second weekend. That's a lot of people seeing that. Don't you think so, Aesop? What do you think, man? That's that's a healthy, healthy number. Yeah, and uh, I I can't even imagine you know everyone's exact reasoning for see- seeing it because there's just so much to love about that. Whether it be something like Benedict Cumberbatch, whether it be the the title itself of Doctor Strange, Multiverse of Madness, right? That just draws people in. Could be the attachment to Sam Raimi. Uh, people love Sam Raimi. They may not love you know the Marvel stuff, but they're going to see it because it's the Sam Raimi going back to horror and. Uh, there's just so many different reasonings to go and see that movie. And uh, it's clearly working. And I wonder if uh, Disney kind of jumps on that a little bit more, maybe attaching some more cult level names to their projects going forward, because I really do feel like the Sam Raimi attachment helped them out tremendously. Yeah, I, I think I think you got a good point there that uh, that having him on there, you know, with I mean, I know a lot of people saw Doctor Strange and they saw Wanda and they're like, OK, I'm in. I know these characters. I love these characters. But yeah, having Sam Raimi attached to that certainly did not hurt their uh, their market penetration as far as getting people who might have been on the fence to jump in there and say, oh, this is going to be a horrific element of Marvel. I got to check this out. Uh Tony, are you remotely surprised at the numbers that Doctor Strange 2 is drawing in? I mean, that that's. I mean, what didn't it, it it beat Batman, which I didn't think it was going to do, but it it exceeded Batman's numbers. It didn't do No Way Home numbers, but I really did not think it would it would beat Batman, and it did. I'm not surprised because look at it this way: I took my mom to go see it, and not like because a bunch of people took their mom on Mother's Day to go see it, but because people like my mom, who are family or friends with people that are watching these Disney streaming series are getting these people to watch these Disney streaming series and they're interested in these movies. So there's more people ever 
interested, right? The bigger success from the streaming, the bigger numbers in the movie. I, a whole ton of people I knew were going to see this movie. I'm not surprised. Would you guys like to be surprised, though? Because I have something for y'all. Okay. We we liked surprises here, Tony. I golfed with my father today, and I golfed with my cousin, Charlie, who's a chef. And I also golfed with D to the P today. Ooh. And DP finished around with a birdie, by the way. He shot 89. Um, but nonetheless, you want DP's opinion on Doctor Strange? Sure. He's a talk about charter members. He's one of them. Hated it. Didn't sign up for a horror movie. Quote unquote. That's a little surprising. Well, well, okay. First of all, they've only announced it as like it was Raimi's return to horror. So what, what, what did he just not look at anything ahead of time? He, I, he generally doesn't, um, but I don't know. He just, I, I don't know. I'm not here to like defend his opinion or say whether it's right or wrong. I, you guys know, I loved it. Right. You guys, um, he is looking forward to the, the, the next part. And get, he's like, I'm looking forward to getting to the, the main part of the story. And I think we're getting there. He was very excited for Clea and Dormammu in coming up here. So I think, I think he, I think if you like got down to brass tacks with him, he would say that it was a good movie. He just didn't like it and it wasn't what he wanted. Maybe. Um, but, 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 but I don't know that might not be, he might say, no, that's wrong. I hate because the quote unquote is I hated it. I didn't sign up for a horror movie. Unquote. Well, I mean there, I think it's safe to say that opinions on the movie, um, have been mixed in some, in some areas, right? Just to add a just to add a, a familiar uh, person of this very show having a different opinion than we all had because I think we all thought this was an eight eight and a half maybe higher out of ten. It it like I said I thought it was a very good movie I wouldn't say it was great but I mean but that's what I'm saying there's a varying opinions as to where people are falling on the scale doesn't mean people aren't going out in record numbers to see it. But, you know, you know, at the same Not time, surprised. yeah, at the same time, it's like, OK, opinions are going to vary. You know, most of us love the Batman. There's a lot of people out there who hated it. So that's always going to be the case on this thing. But a, a little surprising DP didn't didn't buy into it. But it was, you know, I know it was a little bit different. But like Aesop is saying, they put it right out there. Sam Raimi movie. Um, yeah, it is what it is. Right. To each their own. That's right. That's exactly right. Um, shifting over to some kind of, I don't know about if I call it melancholy. It's certainly a little bit sad, but it's kind of, you know, fitting. It's kind of the, the end of the road. You know, one of the biggest surprises, I think, I think the movie that really told us uh, how powerful the MCU was and just how good they were at casting and storytelling and making things that otherwise wouldn't seem to be, you know, to have that kind of hold, that grasp on, on a, on you know the public's consciousness or just the fandom out there was guardians of the galaxy which kind of came out of nowhere and surprised virtually all of us you know i mean it, it's it's a movie james gunn put this group on the map where prior to that movie coming out you know they were kind of people knew about them but you would never you would never think about them in the same vein as say x-men or fantastic four or even avengers all that changed after the first movie um, they are now they've finished filming on the third movie and we know for sure one guy's not coming back if there is a fourth movie and that's going to be Dave Bautista uh, who plays Drax. 
interested. We read some stuff. They had some stuff this week. Uh, Dr- uh, Dave had a really good Instagram post. He went basically from the end of filming of Guardians 3 right into his next movie. So he didn't really have a chance to process it. But we do know he will not be back if there is a fourth one. No one knows if there's going to be a fourth one or not. We know this is kind of the end of the road. Um, I, I already know you guys probably like me love the Guardians of the Galaxy, both of both volumes so far. Uh, massively surprising and, and enjoyable series. The performance of Dave, I mean, this, he said it himself, Guardians changed his life. And, and I think, you know, you look at where he came from, from WWE and how well known he was there, but certainly not on the level that Guardians put him at. Um, what are your guys thoughts? I, I guess, you know, I know, you know, it's, we know it's the end, but I, I think it's more appropriate, you know, your guys thoughts on Bautista's performance and how being Drax really kind of changed everything for him. Tony, I'll start with you. I know you've seen it. I know you're very familiar with Dave. Uh, you know, your thoughts on, on the end of this unexpected, but incredible run that he had. Or maybe not. Tony's not saying anything. Aesop, what are your thoughts on this? Sure. Well, first and foremost, wasn't this Batista's first role? I think so. I don't remember. Yeah. I mean, he might have had like a bit part here and there on other stuff, but this was the first time he was really featured. Yeah. And I mean, we were like awestruck by his performance in the first movie. He was fantastic. <laughs> Absolutely. And, you know, when you look at the long history of, you know, wrestlers in film, especially of recent note, you know, when you look at someone like The Rock. And John Cena, both of which were huge charismatic figures in WWE. Dave Bautista did not have that at all. In fact, there were knocks on him, especially when he was the the, the heavyweight champion of like how he didn't connect at all with people. And to see him mature and just really hit a home run with his acting as Drax and the the level of energy that he gave to a character that at times, you know, is difficult to play because they're just so brutally honest. Um, now, we this is something that we should have been expecting uh, because, you know, that's part of, of Drax's arc is that he wants to uh, get rid of Thanos to uh, avenge his daughter and wife. And now that Thanos is gone, you know, he's he's going to have a send off. Uh, we kind of figured, in fact, I thought I was thinking that it was going to happen sometime in um, uh, the uh, what's it called? Like uh, Infinity Wars or, you know, something like that. But, you know, lo and behold, it, it looks like he's going to get it in an either big, bigger part in the next Guardians of the Galaxy movie. Wow. We've got a surprise. We have the 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 fearless leader of the show has popped in. I don't know how long, Pat, how long are you going to be on here? I don't have long. All right. Well, we'll get your thoughts. Here's here's a question that's being we're talking about right now. Uh, Dave Bautista coming to the end of his run as Drax on Guardians of the Galaxy three. Uh, you know, and, and like you know, Aesop was just talking about. You know, his performance kind of came so far out of nowhere. When you look at his performance, I mean, incredibly talented as a wrestler, but really didn't see him as being this comedic powerhouse that he turned into. Um, your thoughts as we're re- reaching the end of this story arc with Dave, we know he's not coming back. 
Uh, what are your thoughts on him and his portrayal of Drax and, and how it kind of revolutionized his career? Yeah, I would say it was, I was pleasantly surprised um, because I didn't see that kind of comedic timing out of the guy. You know, I, I don't know if that's entirely true because his work with Eddie Guerrero right before Eddie's passing showed you that he has the, he had the ability to do that. I'll never forget. Um, one of those, it was one of those like backstage sort of deals where Eddie was trying to play both sides of the, both sides of the coin and buddy up to, to Batista, but then stab him in the back. And Dave's like standing around the corner smirking. So, you, you know, it was always there, but to see him not only be good, but a, a highlight of of the original film and, and you know i think he had everybody uh looped in when he said nothing goes over my head i jumped too high and that was and that, and that was kind of you know him moving forward so i i think it's um it's been a heck of a run it was a it's one of those examples where it shows what we know about casting and gave us faith in the marvel uh brand of, of like casting and doing well with their casting and uh, he'll be missed. He's been very loyal to James Gunn. He's been very loyal to Chris Pratt and the cast in general. And so it makes a lot of sense that, you know, he's he's also been very vocal about when James Gunn left the MCU or at least the Guardians universe. That was kind of it for Drax anyway. So um, I hope it means he's not dying. But I mean, maybe, you know, maybe that's what we're going to get. I, I don't know. Who knows? But yeah. Tough. <laughs> There's like this. Spoiler alert: He's himself. dead. Sorry. <laughs> he doesn't. They don't have to kill everybody who ends their contract, but Drax has died many, many times, so it wouldn't necessarily be the biggest surprise in the world. Yeah, I mean, Drax. When you look at him, like in the comics, with the lead up to Infinity Gauntlet, it's certainly not a comedic character. Very brutal. Very in your face. Just constantly on the on the hunt for Thanos though definitely different and for I mean Drax is one of the most popular characters out there right now because of Dave Bautista I mean you can't he was he was the one who put him on the map Tony is your mic working now or do you want to talk yeah I'm good I'm back yeah my headset was low and uh I got it plugged in now we're good to go no Patrick jumped in here and i'm glad to see him and um happy birthday eve patrick uh happy birthday pre for tomorrow yeah um, just in case um but uh he hit it on the head and and it's and it might feel like in uh, a fallback or or something i go to all the time but generally when something's good it's been casted well and think about think about the guardians of the galaxy and think about every single character and how difficult a lot of those characters are to execute on the big screen, right? And in synergy with one another. And they did it excellently. I mean, think about think about the tumultuous differences between all of these different beings and, and things of that nature on screen together. And how wonderful it's come across now for two. And it's going to be another third great movie. So I can't wait. Yeah, it's going to be fun. I can't wait to see it. Uh, probably sometime. What is it? Next year, I guess it's coming out. We'll have to see. We'll have to see what they come up with on there. Um, I know, like talking about comedic stories and things like that. One of the more anticipated series coming up uh, on the MCU on Disney Plus is She-Hulk, and it looks like they might have accidentally <laughs> leaked the release date for She-Hulk coming out August seventeenth, twenty twenty-two. 
Disney's, I guess, UK account had this out there. Uh, I, I, you know, it's it's cool. This this is going to be an interesting series because they're deliberately trying to be comedic with this, where is a a pretty start. Well, I mean, Moon Knight has comedic elements to it, but I mean, this one is really focused on on a comedy driven sort of thing. Uh, some speculation that She-Hulk might break the fourth wall and kind of keep in line with the character and that sort of thing. Uh, you know, while we got Pat here, let me turn it over to him first and see what see what he thinks about this. Uh, She-Hulk po- probably coming in August. Patrick, are you how are you feeling about this series? You in out on the fence? Well, I'm I'm in because it's Marvel, and uh, this will this will be my last stop before I do that. I just really did want to come in and say hello real quick. Thanks for holding down the four pillows. And- and then I'll, I'll let you get back to it. But um, no, I'm, I'm in for it. Uh, Jen Walters is a is a fun character. So I would expect it to be a comedic sort of role. Um, the thing that I've always loved about her is unlike her cousin Bruce, she completely embraced what she became and, and loves it. Whereas, you know, Bruce always looked at it as a curse and she always looked at it as a blessing. And to have She-Hulk, I'm assuming it's the attorney at law business because um, it needs to be uh, that that just sets it up for all kinds of fun and um, yeah I'll be I'll be there in August of course I'll be in there in, there in August it's, Mar- it's Marvel man we don't we don't we don't not watch the shows even if we don't cover everyone on the program Tony you don't count you're only half a nerd and we all know that so <laughs> Oh, the good, the good half, the good half, Tony, just the good half of you is half a nerd. So (laughs) I feel in a, I feel in a few small, uh, you know, you have, you have some niches, niches, niches. So yeah, I I think I'm, uh, no, I think I know I'm in, I'm totally on board and I'll, I'll be looking forward to seeing what she brings to the MCU and the larger, Marvel Entertainment Universe. I don't know that we can call it the cinematic universe anymore. Yeah, it's it's especially. I mean, let's not get it twisted. A, I'm in for this movie, and B, yeah, not with the streamies coming up. We kind of have to separate things, you know. Right, I know there's a lot going on there. Um, We'll we'll be we'll be requesting screeners for nominees uh, coming soon too. By the way, we need we need to get that list uh, get that list narrowed down. There's a lot to do. Let's let's do it right. Right, we will. All right, guys, you have a great rest of your show. Um, Dave, make sure that you do the best to herd the cats. Make sure that Aesop doesn't upset any children or mothers. He's already uh, being sued, in, Pat. He's, we already talked. He's, he's already being, being sued. He's being sued. Yeah, Very nice. He just needed to retain All my right. services. <laughs> I'll talk to you guys later. Later, man. Happy birthday early. Thanks, guys. Have a good one. Aesop, your thoughts on uh, on the She-Hulk series coming out August 17th, probably, maybe, possibly? Well, uh, first thing I heard of the the comedic element of it all was, well, as long as it's not like Hulu-level Marvel comedy, because, you know, that doesn't bode well for uh, She-Hulk if it's like that, because they can't keep a damn Marvel series to save their life. Uh, I, I mean, I'll be there for it. It's going to be... It's going to be a appointment television for me, uh, appointment stream of vision rather. And uh, I think that they have a winner on their hands. Uh, She-Hulk is such a dynamic character in the, the grand scheme of the Marvel universe. Uh, I think that she's going to be someone that is quite beloved 
Yeah, I, I think I think you know she could be. You know, we we're talking about Drax. She could have that kind of Drax ish, if that's a word, Drax ish element to her, where she becomes kind of beloved through her through her comedic portrayal of things, and and becomes very popular because. You know, people like that stuff. They can relate to that. It, it's a character. If if you have a character that makes you laugh, that's nine tenths of the battle right there. So I'm I'm in for it, man. I, I mean, like everybody says, it's a Marvel show. It's an MCU show. Um, it's going to hopefully be a little, you know, maybe a little less serious, a little bit more fun. Uh, not that Moon Knight wasn't because it was, but it's. I think this is going to be a very different sort of series. Um, last little bit of Marvel news we wanted to talk about here is um, we did get confirmation Black Panther 2 is going to come out in 2022. I didn't really realize that that was being speculated that it wasn't. I know they've shifted some dates around and things like that. But um, I guess, yeah, kind of nice to hear confirmation that Black Panther 2 will be coming this November. Uh, Aesop, you are, I mean, I know, of course, we're all going to be there. You know, is this, is this, you know, let me put it this way. I know we're all anticipating Thor Love and Thunder, but I'd make the argument Black Panther 2 is going to be the more anticip- or the most anticipated superhero movie of the back half of 2022. What do you would you agree with that? Uh I mean it it might not even be the most anticipated superhero movie. It, it just might be one of the most anticipated movies uh, because of the fact and you know, you know I hate to say it, you know, we lost the lead. You know, we lost Black Panther, you know, over the last year and that's something that they're going to have to honor Chadwick Boseman. And, you know, the way that they're going to do it, I'm sure, is going to be in a tasteful manner. And, you know, that right there is going to be a, a reason why people are drawn to it, because he was such a beloved character in in film. It, you know, the, the think of how great Black Panther, the first Black Panther was. Chadwick Boseman really drew everyone in and how they're going to uh, honor him and still tell a compelling story is going to be something that people just need to see. And that's beyond the, the scope of, uh, you know, comic book movies, Marvel movies. This is just in the grand scheme of film. Yeah. It's going to be without question, the most emotional film. One, it probably possibly the most emotional film of the year because you're you're right i mean you've got to you can't you know they can't just avoid the elephant in the room and 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 just go and try and do an end run about that unless they're not going to do a prequel i don't think they're going to shy away from this so yeah how how do they address t'challa um his death his absence or whatever you want to however they're going to explain it and and where do they go from here so it's going to be really interesting to see how they handle that tony um I, I'm sure you're, you know, you're anticipating Wakanda forever, like the rest of us. Are you, uh, are you pleased to see that we are still getting this thing this year? I think the big question is what, what are we going to get, right? And how much, how much are we going to know going in? How much do you guys want to know going in? Do you know what I'm saying? Like storylines leak, you see trailers, and it leads you to believe one thing or the other. I'd rather absolutely know not a damn thing until I show up to this one like misleading trailers and just kind of different things. And then boom, here it all is because this is, this is big. This is big for all the reasons you guys just mentioned it. it, You're turning the story uh, as we've been, have it had it told to us on its ear because it's missing. It's, it's key component as far as us consuming it. 
Um, and I don't know. I, I'm really anticipating the, the direction. Yeah, I think that, you know, there are numbers that came out about how many people watched the Avatar 2 trailer. Uh, you know, a lot of people watched it. Let's put it that way. But, you know, now you've got what's going on here. I, this this trailer is probably going to be even more as far. I mean, when they release a teaser for this, I mean, there's going to be it's going to be staggering how many people are actually going to watch that thing because everybody's going to be like, Tony, what are they going to tell us? What are they going to give us? You know, how, how are they going to portray it? Are they even going to address that in the trailer? How does it all work together? In this genre, whether it's Marvel or DC or anything slightly circulating that universe, whether it's streaming or in the movies, what else has a big question mark and is this big? Nothing. There isn't anything. I can't think of anything. I mean, it's got to be the... Yeah, I, I think this is the most anticipated, most emotional, uh, most compelling story that we're going to get for the back half of 2022. Uh, and and I'm, I'm really glad they didn't push it. Cause you know, we've been talking the past, what, two, three weeks, shifting release dates, things are being swapped, uh, things like that. So yeah, I think there was probably a risk that black Panther two got pushed, but I'm glad to see that it's not. So, well, there you go, folks. That's all your Marvel news, you know, hit some quick hitters there on the Marvel side, but important stuff to talk about. We are going to take our first commercial break at this point in time. And, uh, and and let the uh, let the ads roll, so to speak. Tony's got his thumbs up. He's he's all ready for this thing. Uh, when we come back on the back ha- half of this uh, first commercial break, a few more news nuggets we are going to talk about. As like, and one of them, as Tony says, folks, it's all Star Wars, and we're going to be talking about Star Wars Celebration coming back after the break. You're listening to Bandwagon Nerds, a part of the Chairshot Radio Network, right here on thechairshot.com. Promotional consideration paid for by the following. Hey folks, PC Tony here. Thanks to our new partnership with Angry Lemonade, you can save 10% on physical products and digital commissions using the promo code CHAIRSHOT. Head to angrylemonade.net to check out their amazing catalog of products and services. Use the promo code CHAIRSHOT to save 10%. That's angrylemonade.net. This is your boy, Kenny Killer, telling you to make sure you check out thechairshot.com. Bringing you breaking news, interviews, podcasts galore, everything pro wrestling. Make sure you check it out, thechairshot.com. Thechairshot.com. Always use your head. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to episode 131, Bandwagon Nerds, our calm before the storm episode of bandwagon nerds here the quiet storm you know that sort of thing uh as we're running through some news bites before aesop and i educate you guys on the greatest comic stories of all time um switching gears a little bit here you know we talked about it i think a couple weeks ago that or maybe we didn't talk about it i don't know but the cw decided to let batwoman go the way of the dinosaur and a little surprising, Legends of Tomorrow didn't get picked up for another season. Um, so it led to speculation that the Arrowverse might be dead. And, and, you know, I know Stephen Amell had talked about wanting to, you know, do a little darker version of the Arrowverse. If you could try to figure out a way to bring his his character back. We talked about HBO Max getting involved. But then we get this weird news that the CW has decided, I think, Tony, I don't know. I, I know you're out there, but I think they're renewing Flash for an additional season. And I think, and and now you've got the word coming down that Gotham Knights had a pilot episode and the CW gave the order to run with the series. So the Arrowverse is apparently not dead. 
the biggest news actually is that the prequel to Supernatural is the the Winchesters. Like the Supernatural on CW, that's that's probably bigger than Flash, to be honest with you. And to have that coming back, I know nothing about it for the most part. Um, the series, I mean, I've like seen bits and pieces of episodes here and there, but for if you if you take into account of people fans of the CW and the network wise, I think. They're just trying to, you know, tighten it up, and, and that's a real tight spot for them right there. That that's locked down. Supernatural was an amazing success for them, and then to go back and get this kind of support for the prequel and the Winchesters, that's interesting to see for me. Yeah, well, what what are your thoughts? I know you've you know you're a big fan of the Flash. I don't know how much of the other shows you've watched. I know like my wife and I are going through the Arrowverse. We're actually right now in the first season of Flash and the third season of Arrow, and you know going through it, and it's and it's fantastic. Um. You know, Supergirl, of course, she came to an end. Legends is gone. So really, out of the, the four that started the whole thing, Flash is the only one that's still alive and kicking. Tony, what do you see, as, as, as before I kick it over to Aesop, I know you've watched a lot of the Flash. Do you see a future for the Arrowverse, or are they just kind of like going through the motions now? Or what do you think about this this new show coming in? I guess it's Superman and Lois got renewed as well. So I guess, yeah, there's other stuff. Well, you know, they could go uh, the way I think they're going to go is I think you're going to see Grant Goosen finish out this Flash series and then pop in and out for some of the stuff they're going to do. I don't think you're going to see the Flash on CW or the way it's incarnated for a lot longer, because I think he may possibly end up being the guy in the MCU. We'll see. Right. I don't know. If he's I, in the MCU, if he's DCU. in the MCU, that would be something. I mean, that'd be a big story there. So yeah, DC. DCU. Sorry, DC. Sorry. My bad. <laughs> my I'd love to see the Flash in the MCU. Howard That'd be duck. fun. Him and, him and Howard the Duck switch yes. switch role. That's right. Uh, Howard the Duck or Howard the Duck's already in the MCU. So stop it. Yeah, I, okay, never mind. You're, he's trying, you're to, just pull, he's trying your... to pull a trade here, Aesop. Yeah. No. <laughs> I think I think Marvel would get the better end of that trade. So it it leaves you to go ahead and maybe do the darker arrow thing which is what Stephen amell wants to do when you look at the connection with maybe the possibility of hbo max pulling this in and everything else so that's kind of what i'm looking at aesop what do you think arrowverse probably not dead yet i don't know if it's on life support but some interesting decisions as far as like what they're letting lapse and what that they're bringing back and what now they're signing on what are your thoughts on this well my initial idea or towards it all is that they have a game plan because this was a moneymaker for them. I don't know whether it be just the Flash, you know, Batwoman, whatever. I, I would assume that uh, who ended up buying that? Was that Discovery? Was that Warner Discovery, right? The merger that kind of WB Discovery. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that was a big reason why they dropped a lot of these things. Not only, uh, you know, like the Legends of Tomorrow, but they they scrapped like the Wonder Twins movie or TV show. Thank the Lord. Um and I would think that they have something in mind, right? Now, as far as Gotham Knights is concerned, I'm wondering if uh, one of the reasons why they pushed the Gotham Knights game back a little bit was because of this pilot episode to try to tie them in a little bit or at least like advertise uh, at the same time because – that was one of the more highly anticipated games, you know, of this year. And I, I don't think it got pushed back like a super large amount, but 
uh, you know, to kind of put them in together, that's a huge deal. And if that thing has success, the video game, then you know they're going to have success on their hands with a TV series as well. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 yeah, it's an interesting stuff. I think you're right. They've got they know where they're going. Uh, it's just how they're getting there that's kind of interesting. I, I I was wondering, like with you guys, isn't HBO Max? They're doing a Green Lantern series, aren't they? Are they? I th- I think I'm like I I don't know if it's I know there's an animated one, but it, it seems like you know I understand the movie had its issues. You know, let let's be honest about that. But I'm like, why haven't they brought Green Lantern into like the Arrowverse? I mean, he's like the Flash's best buddy, more much more so than Green Arrow ever was. Um, so I I've never understood oh, yeah. why. What do you what do you find? And I'm looking at it. Uh, you know, as I'm well. Fairly I, certain. I'm fairly certain that this is happening. Yeah, uh, it was announced in 2019, and they're still talking about it now. So, uh, Green Lantern's a thing. I, I wonder. Uh, currently, in some stage of production, so they're not even sure exactly where it's at. Yeah, I, I think it is. It, is it going to be live action or animation? I don't know. I'm not sure. I, I thought I saw something for live action. Yeah, I've heard. I've heard some other rumors as well. Like, uh, like Star Girls, a show that's been incorporated officially into the Arrowverse now, and there's some indication that she fights Green Lantern's daughter at some point in this upcoming season. You know, maybe that maybe that opens the door. You know, you saw more of Green Lantern in in the Zack Snyder's Justice League, which we're about to talk about in a few minutes, with a lot of controversy going on there. But what a great movie, by the way. Which one, Zack Snyder's Justice League? I agree. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. Bots be yeah. damned. We're about to talk about that, though. But um, before we get to that, let's talk a little bit about you got most of us saw Dune. Most of us like Dune quite a bit. Got some news about Dune 2 coming up. And uh, Christopher Walken, who, you know, if you want to put your stamp on a movie and make sure that it's really excellent, you get Christopher Walken involved in some capacity. He's going to be the emperor in Dune 2. Aesop, I don't know, have we ever talked to you about your thoughts about the first Dune? I know Pat and I and, and Ray and, and Tony, I think we all saw it. I know we, Patrick and I did the nerd review on that and, and talked about it. His review was better than mine, but you know that's okay because I think it's, it's going to make more sense as one big movie. But what were your thoughts on Dune, the original one? And, and Christopher Walken is the emperor in this whole thing. Evil Christopher Walken is one of the best versions of Christopher Walken that there is. And I don't, yeah, the, I, don't, I don't think the emperor is going to be a good guy in Dune 2. So what are your thoughts on this? Well, first of all, who doesn't love a good Max Shrek appearance? Uh, this is going to be fun. I loved uh, bad, evil Christopher Walken. I'll do a pretty solid Walken myself. No. And so uh, I'm I'm excited to kind of really bring it back up. Don't give me that face. Tommy. He does a deep. He does a phenomenal Walken. That's what Tommy. Listen. You uh-huh. want to talk? Talk to me about walking. I think uh-huh. I, I do a solid walking, okay? Scooch, go, the kids, scooch. DP what does the fuck is that? Hey. What the hell is that? That was like Dracula at like hanging outside of an elementary school. Relax. Tony, you're doing it wrong. It's the wrong tone. You do it again, I'll stab you in the face with a soldering iron. Yeah, I said it's a smarts, doesn't it? Sorry, Aesop, go ahead. It's a little Joe no, Dirt. No. Little Joe Dirt never hurt anybody. It's going to be a good time. I loved the first Dune. And in fact, I love all iterations of Dune, even the the BBC miniseries. Like, I enjoy Dune quite a lot. And this um, this last uh, movie is 
is the pinnacle, right? It was fantastic. Now, hopefully they continue with that because, to be completely frank, I'm not a big fan of Timothy Chalamet, but uh, I liked him in Dune, and I think I'm going to continue to like him in Dune Part 2 and however many more movies they plan on doing. Yeah, there might be more than two. That's uh, that's for sure. We'll see how that might be. <laughs> I can guarantee you. More than likely, we're going to get at least a trilogy. We know how Tony loves trilogies, but Tony, uh, your thoughts on Christopher Walken being a part of the Dune universe, evil emperor, probably. It, Why not? I, I like the response, man. Really. Do needed do needed one of two things: more cowbell or more Walken, and they kind of got a l- little bit of both. So. Um, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it was. I, I, it, I watched it. I, it's not my whole cup of tea. That genre. Um, my mom loved it. She's a huge Star Trek fan. Who's on Marvel now with me and everything. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I guess it. It. Let's put it this way. I'll. I'll end by saying, and throwing it over to Aesop. I will likely watch this movie because he's in it. And because I watched the first one. And you'll watch it in 3D, I'm sure of it. I don't know if I go to the movie theater for it. Oh, wow. That's, that, I mean, that's, the a, cinematography, that's a big statement. Yeah, the cinematography of the first one. I mean, those broad expanses and all that stuff going on. Right, really Fine, 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 fine. And, and look, and don't forget, this is uh, <laughs> something that I'm sure we didn't talk about before. Um, the bandwagon bullies. Jeez. The Bully Maguire edition of Bandwagon Nerds right here. Uh, like this is on top of the, the fact that they also got Austin Butler and Florence Pugh on board. I I mean, like that's some good talent coming into this second movie and there's plenty more to be announced because they, you know, they haven't really even started anything yet. Uh, I believe like the production is supposed to start up in the fall and then, uh, hopefully the movie debut in October. So let's go or October of 2023 rather. We need a soundbite for when we bring up great casting or we think there's going to be great casting. We just need something. I don't know what it's going to. I'll, I'll work on that for next week. You work and, on and that. Talk about synergy. Yeah, we need we need some synergistic sort of effect, some like a like a snap or something like a rubber band snapping into place. Or There you go. Thanos snap. That's right. Uh, inevitable. It is. It's always inevitable. <laughs> Always. um, I'm going to turn this one over to Tony because I'll be honest with you guys. I like Legos. I'm just not good with them because it's not my I'm not mechanically inclined, which is probably why I'm an attorney and, you know, leave the mechanical stuff to the people who are uh, talented in that capacity. But I know Tony's excited about this. I know Patrick's very excited about this. Tony's nipples are hard and dancing as we speak. News that we are going to get a Legos Optimus Prime set that actually transforms. Tony, how excited, how hard are those nipples? I mean, how are I'm just, you know, tasteful boobies notwithstanding. How are you feeling? So the transformation is the question from everybody, right? I think there's 11 special vectors, connectors, or whatever you want to call them that are going to allow that to happen. Obviously, this is still a Lego, and you're going to have to transform yourself but from what i've read up on it it's a 1508 piece set that's 1508 pieces it stands just under 14 inches high and the truck 
assembled can be up to 27 inches, but in the picture, it didn't look like it to me. So anyway, it looks really solid. I'm excited for it. I will be getting it. DP likely will be getting it and leaving it in the box and I'll be the one to build it. Um, See so how smart just, he is, folks. Just yeah, that's fine. He can take care of me. When Delegation I'm of um, responsibility. <laughs> so, a fifteen. You, you, let's put it for, for people that aren't Lego builders, right? For to have a set that's fifteen hundred pieces, that's probably a two to three hour build, depending on your pace and and your stamina. And when I mean stamina. If you just go ahead and start building Lego and go of a good 45 minute hour session and you haven't been building them, you get some really sore thumbs because you're pressing and pushing on edges and pieces and things that you don't normally do, to be honest with you. That's why you got to so, have the mallet, dude. Yeah, that's true. But you don't really get in there and feel all the craftsmanship. I like to be the one to snap everything into place, right? I do it all by myself. I separate everything out. I go bag by bag. I use the booklets. I, I don't put it on the iPad or the computer or anything else. And I just get in there. So this is probably, I haven't built in about a year, maybe a little less than a year. So when I get this, this is probably the next thing I do actually build. I'll probably do it over three days. So I don't want to do three hours at once. Uh, I'm going to do it in a single setting. Uh, I can probably get that done. Like you said, in about that two hour mark, I just built um the infinity gauntlet not too long oh, nice. ago nice. uh yeah my my boss bought it for uh his office so naturally i was going to be the one to build it for him but uh uh yeah this is going to be awesome i loved especially in the old styling you know the 80s styling of the transformers right you know because that is something that really everyone's attached to and we easily could have seen michael bay transformer you know optimus prime in which then we'd all shriek in horror would you agree would you agree that picking that styling though lent to the most successful product they could produce oh like that really ends it sharp and everything else Sure. But you know what? It was going to be the most successful product as well because of the fact it's the 80s Transformers. I I mean, like they are they are definitely the superior product altogether. You know what I mean? So like that's without the idea of Lego. Uh, It's just uh, just a fact at that point. Clearly, I am in the minority here as far as uh, Lego fandom goes, because I, I, I look the last time I tried to do something was when my kids were like kids and I tried to put together this rare Indiana Jones set that we got. And it was it was awesome when it was done. But what takes you guys two hours takes me two days. So, yeah, that's kind of where the disconnect is. But I, I definitely appreciate it. And I mean, and, and downtown Disney here in Anaheim, uh, not here in Anaheim, but down here in California has a tremendous Lego store that Tony, you would love it. If you come out here for Mania next year, guess where I'm going to be taking you and probably dropping yeah, you I off for a few hours. To, I think we're going to have to make that happen. I think DP and I are going to have to have a serious conversation about coming out to visit you for WrestleMania next year. Aesop, you're invited too. If you can handle the dogs, you got there's a couch with your name on it or something. Hot damn, something with your name on it. Kitchen floor, let's go. Kitchen floor, stuff like that. You know, <laughs> the hey, three, we'll find some place. The three amigos will make their way west. Yeah, oh, all three of us will share your single couch. You know that it, it probably I've seen weirder stuff happen here, so it's all right. <laughs> I've slept on treadmills before, so I don't. Hey, know. we could probably me swing, too swing that. Yep. Pat, and of course, Patrick O'Dowd is invited as well, but you know, I don't, I don't foresee him just ditching 
the little O'Dowd and the wife just to hang out here. Maybe they'll, it'll be, they need to go to Disneyland and compare and contrast. Anyway, uh, Tony, you alluded to what a great movie Zack Snyder's Justice League was. Uh, some significant controversy coming out this week with news circulating that Snyder's, Zack Snyder's fans, or I don't know about fans, but somebody rigged the Oscars to enable him to win awards for Army of the Dead and Zack Snyder's Justice League. Apparently some algorithm or some Twitter analysis or of some sort has revealed that bots made up the vast majority of the votes that he got for these movies and the awards he got. Not that the Oscars weren't controversial enough. I, I really think they listened to that episode where me and Pat and Tunney shit all over, nobody watching the Oscars. They said, how can we make this interesting? Let's create controversy. Let's have Will Smith slap the shit out of Chris Rock. And now all of a sudden the Oscars are interesting again. But is this a new story? Does these These were not like categories that the people running the Academy came up with. These were more based on popular vote anyway. So if somebody rigged it and figured out how to get more people voting for Zack Snyder, does anybody, should anybody care? Aesop, what do you think? I don't care at all. <laughs> there you go. Tony, do you care? See, here's the thing about all of this. You know, when you sit back and think about it and take in that everything everybody else has said, you know, and you try to come up with an unbiased opinion, I still just don't give a flying fucking rat's ass about it. So <laughs> there you have it. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with you guys. I, I mean, I saw this story and, and there was all this uproar uh, kind of about it. But then the more you read about it, it's like, well, wait, wasn't this like stuff based on a popular vote anyway? And so Zach's fans were creative enough to manipulate the count in their favor to get their guy an award that they so desperately wanted him to get. These are the same fan base that brought the Zack Snyder cut into existence that you guys denied existed for how many years? And this grassroots movement brought this whole thing into existence. So are you really surprised that this same group of people who obviously think as douchey as Patrick thinks Zack Snyder is, and we know that because we saw his comment when the story was posted in the chat it's like, you know, douchebag fans supporting a douchebag director. Okay. You know, I don't know if I'm going to subscribe to all that, but you know, I, I, you know, Chris Platt would subscribe to that. And by the way, congratulations to our friend, Chris Platt. He is officially a daddy now. Congrats, Chris. That's awesome stuff. We're all very happy for you. Uh, we understand you're ignoring the bat. You know, it's hard to answer the bat signal when you got formula in one hand and a dirty diaper in the other, man. You've officially broken that news on the Chairshot Radio Network. Have I? I'm the first one? Yep. Okay. You are. Do I have to retract it now and say I was just kidding? No. No, it's fine. I'm just telling you. <laughs> I I, well, I mean, I did, we saw the pic. What is Sebastian? Was that the little guy's name? Yes. Prince Sebastian James. Oh, that's awesome. But yeah, we might not see Chris around for a while as fatherhood takes hold. And I know we, we, we exchanged those of us who are dads. Oh, no. We exchanged oh, no, no, our no. Uh, no. No, 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 no. A, I think we're bringing back a plat show. And B, this motherfucker ain't missing no DWIs. This dude's off for six weeks. You can he can fucking spare an hour and a half a week to be for the Church on Radio Network. Chris, you know, says the one guy that 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 has no children or outside of his cats. Chris, you know how much I love you. Amber, you know how much I love you. I get them out of your hair for two hours a week. Okay, there we go. We're good. Chris, just 
you just deal with that. I'll be in touch. <laughs> That's right, man. It's not like there's any baby formula out there in the world anyway. He's so off for six like... weeks. It's the middle of the day. <laughs> the kid doesn't sleep, man. Come on. He's got to get his naps in. That's right. That's right. All right. So the Zack Snyder controversy, not really a controversy amongst those of us who give a flying shit. Although it was kind of interesting. All this people pissed off about manipulating a popular vote. <gasps> it was rigged. It's the 2020 election all over again, but no one cares. Last thing we're going to talk about news rise before we get into the uh, top 10 comic book stories of all time. This is Tony's. This is right in Tony's wheelhouse. Tony, it's all Star Wars and it's going to be all Star Wars Memorial Day weekend. Again, Anaheim, the entertainment capital. Fuck you, Hollywood. We got Anaheim and uh, we got <laughs> Star Wars celebration coming to Anaheim Memorial Day weekend. It's all Star Wars, probably too much Star Wars, but that's okay. And it's going to be a celebration of things. I know we talked about this a little bit a couple weeks ago, but now we're getting closer. You're starting to see some of the panels that are being announced, uh, things that they're going to be talking about. Sent you guys a link that Pat had sent us earlier in the week from Gizmodo about Star Wars celebration and what to expect. I, I mean, most of that stuff we already knew. Did you guys come across? Or I found one thing that I found very interesting. I don't know. Did you guys see anything in there that kind of piqued your interest? Uh, I just want to be in Anaheim. Can I just do that instead and not 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 be in uh, Milwaukee? Just a, a nice uh, nice little break would be wonderful because it all looks like a lot of fun to me, and that's really really like the whole uh, end game of you know these fan fests like that, right? And if it if it's perking up people's interest, man, you're, you're doing a damn good job. Yeah, as somebody who spent way too much time in Anaheim. <laughs> way too much time uh it's a very it's a very friendly city i mean it, it's it's easily accessible there's lots of hotels there's lots of places to eat you got the two disney parks there that are are very different than disney world even though they're kind of the same uh but yeah it, this time of year like d23 is down there i'm sure we're going to get that this year you've got star wars celebration tunny i know you can't get enough star wars what are your right. what are your thoughts about star wars celebration I mean, I think we talked about it on an episode or we had it in the thread about all the things that were coming up. You know, I mean, we talk about Marvel and DC and everything they've announced, but Star Wars, a lot of things that's that's on the burners and, and we want to know when they're going to be done cooking. Right. I, maybe we get uh, something we haven't seen for Obi-Wan. Obviously, uh, the Mandalorian's third season we got coming out, some more Bad Batch news. Uh, I, I'm interested to see if they give us some more information on Lando and the Acolyte and how, how soon that is, but especially Ahsoka and Andor, like those are the two I want to know. Cause I think those are the first two that are going to come out out of those four streaming series that we're going to see. You guys got any predictions? I think we're going to get a Mandalorian season three trailer and release date. I, I feel really confident that we're going to get that. I'd like, at... that, I'd like that and another series one. Can you also give us, Andor, if that's going to be the next one after it, probably Ahsoka. I'm guessing. What do you think? Aesop? You might get a little what? insight. You might get a little insight in the films too, uh, because Rogue Squadron is getting a lot of love uh, out there, and we know nothing on Rogue Squadron. I know it's a, it's still quite a ways away, and they might not be, even have started uh, filming for it yet. But uh, I think you're, you might get a more of a teaser trailer, maybe something that might lead to more. Uh, more of an idea of what the story could be. Do you guys know what like a perfect world would be for me? 
what's that? If if the Mandalorian third season was more about Boba Fett than the Mandalorian, and then Patrick would just like fucking, he his brain would explode and it would He'd come out. Break. Up. Yeah. Happy birthday, Patrick. Happy fucking birthday. Mandalorian season three, the book of Boba Fett part two. Uh, man, that would just be <laughs> awful. <laughs> Bro, put that up as an episode title. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, I tell you, the, the thing, Bobalorian. The Bobalorian. Yeah. The Mando Fett. The Mando Fett. Uh, one thing. One thing I saw that they did talk about, which is, you know, anybody who was a fan of the Clone Wars, you know, when the series kind of abruptly ended in 2013 and then they rebooted it for that final season and got that out there. The four episode story arc at the end, the Siege of Mandalore, um, which a lot of people out there thought was which is kind of it's the end of Clone Wars. And it's been called that in a companion piece to um, Revenge of the Sith. There are a lot of people who think that that story arc was better than Revenge of the Sith. I don't know if I necessarily agree with that, but they are going to, I guess, show this four-episode story arc as a cinematic experience, which a lot of people have been wanting ever since it aired. Uh, That's going to be kind of cool for fans of the Clone Wars. I don't know, did you guys watch the series, or or how do you feel? I know, Aesop, you did watch the series, I'm pretty sure. How do you feel about them releasing those final four in like a, I guess, going to be like a two-hour movie or a little less than two-hour kind of cinematic thing? Uh, Yeah. I, I look, I, I'll be a short and brief like I did with the Oscars. Hell yeah. That's what I want. That's what we've always wanted. More, more. Nice. Yeah, it's a uh, that that story was, I mean, yeah, the end of Clone Wars was some powerful stuff. I mean, when you know and, and the more you know, the more you know and that sort of thing. And so that getting that to see that in, in a cinematic. Tony, did you ever watch the Clone Wars or? I've dipped in and out. So you. no. Yeah. Okay, gotcha. I'd like no, you guys. No. I say no when I say <laughs> that's not fair. <laughs> What's fun about Star Wars Celebration is the first two episodes of Obi Wan Kenobi will have dropped right when this is going on, so the buzz will be palpable and extremely loud. I'm sure by the time we get there, so it's going to no, be but, fun. No. What's that? Nothing. I didn't hear. What'd you say? Palpatine? What was that? Okay. Palpable. Palpatine ability. Yeah, I think we just oh, yeah. Palpatineable. Said palpable. I said palpatineable. We came up with a new word, a new verb. So I put a scoop of Palpatine in my uh, my milk every morning. It makes it taste very good. It's like Ovaltine, but darker. You know, how, <laughs> you know how much Patrick loved Rise of Skywalker. So happy birthday, Pat. You know we're we're switching gears and we are going to do a live watch along of Rise of Skywalker on the back half of this episode just for Patrick. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody get the popcorn. Yeah, three hour, three hour podcast. Greg will be like, what the fuck happened? Yes. Just for funsies. But anyway, no, we're going to take our second commercial break and then we are going to come back and Aesop and I are going to do our top 10 comic book story, story arcs of all time. Before we cut into that, though, let me try and replicate the great job that Patrick does as far as pimping the site. Go get yourself a T-shirt. ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash the chair shot. Did I get that right, Tony? Is that correct? Where you can, there's all sorts of shirts there. You've got, I mean, and Aesop's coming up with designs every week. I'm not sure if any of them have actually been released yet. Was PC Brony officially greenlit? Uh, as far as I know, Greg has told me that both that and Tasteful Boobies will be put onto the t-shirt store any day now. Much to the chagrin of our fearless birthday boy, Patrick O'Dowd. 
But hey, you know, <laughs> standard strange. When are we going to get some standard strange out there? That's, he said that on the golf course yesterday. Me and the guy I was playing with, we said something about something strange. I said something strange. And, and of course, that went into a whole conversation about standard <laughs> strange and other variations of strange. But yeah, they got a, a, a plethora of T-shirts over there. They're generally nineteen ninety nine. You can spend a few bucks extra for soft style if you want them to feel a little bit better on your parts. Let's just leave it that way. Ghiblis. Ghiblis. Is that plural? Studio Ghiblis. Yeah, you wouldn't say Chinese's. So it's like plural for it's already pluralized, but it's like pluralizing the Lone Rangers and Airheads, you know, that sort of thing. But <laughs> uh, yeah, you can get all sorts of shirts. Bandwagon Nerds, of course, has its own shirt there. Aesop is heavily involved with all sorts of new designs that we're coming out with. But all your favorite shows are there. Uh, you got stuff like Save Tag Team Wrestling. Everyone hates Greg, even if we really don't. But that's beside the point. You can pretend that you do. Nineteen ninety nine for a few bucks extra. It's all. Oh good. wait, my mic. My mic wasn't down. Fuck Greg. Sorry. Go ahead. Okay. <laughs> we, there's a shirt for you, Asaf. I'm not sure that one will get. That, actually, Greg would green light that one. But anyway, you're listening to Bandwagon Nerds episode one thirty one. Get ready for the top best. Of the best of comic book stories of all time coming up right after the commercial break. Bandwagon Nerds right here on the Chairshot Radio Network, a part of thechairshot.com. Just kidding, Greg. Why should you visit thechairshot.com? Thechairshot.com is your home for hard-hitting reviews, news, opinion, and analysis with attitude. Why? Because you're smarter than the average fan. Thechairshot.com. Always use your Head. Thechairshot.com. Always use your head. Yeah. Ooh, okay. We got some breaking news here that Aesop is breaking as we speak. Oh, Tony's got his finger up. What's up, Tony? I don't hear anything. What's happening? Nothing. A big pile of nothing. Aesop, why don't you talk about what you just revealed here? This is um breaking news. Interesting. That's for sure. What do we got here? Uh, it, it's a recent 4chan leak post, so it really, you know, we're not quite sure of the legitimacy of oh, it all, but... It. Oh, we've got breaking news. Let's go live in the field of Aesop Mitchell. Aesop, how's it going out there in the field? Was that, was that supposed to be Harry Carey? <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, well, the, the leak itself oh, is... Um, a, a number of details about Marvel's uh, going forward with the Hulk, Bruce Banner. And it looks like it, potentially we might get a World War Hulk adaptation, which uh, that's pretty nuts. I, I mean, the the turn this, the World War Hulk story into two movies with the first far, following Ruffalo's Bruce Banner and Journey into Space to find potentially his son, Scar. Uh, which could be wild. I mean, that that is crazy. And then the second half uh, feature appearances from multiple MCU heroes who come together to decide whether or not they should kill an out-of-control banner before he causes too much destruction. Do, oh, man. Right, the first thing I think of is, like, what's happening with Strange and, like, multiverses, and can we get multiple Hulks? And do we get the She-Hulk then? Do we get, like, Edward Norton? Do we get all these... No, well, and, and, and with that, movie. that's what I'm saying. With that, uh, the MCU heroes in the second film, uh, She-Hulk, Captain Marvel, Captain America, Doctor Strange, Hawkeye, War Machine, 
uh, Yelena Belova, Cersei, Black Knight, and several others. So, I mean, that that feels like an Illuminati uh, role right there uh, as well. You know what I mean? You know, because that was the whole the whole tie-in with uh, Multiverse of Madness. I, again, this is all 4chan, so, you know, it's obviously speculation. But I felt like that was a big goddamn deal for us to bring up because if we had to wait on that a week, mm, yeah. Yeah, great call. And we were already talking about She-Hulk earlier. I I think like the biggest thing about this series, I know we've talked about it on the show before and speculation running wild as to, I I mean, it's got to be, Aesop, wouldn't it have to be something before Smart Hulk shows up in Endgame? Because really, why would he suddenly go and be out of control Hulk again? I guess maybe something could go wrong if they wanted to do it that way. Well, and... First things first, World War Hulk comes after Planet Hulk, which is a huge storyline as well. You this know, that, where that's he comes, an arc. World War Hulk's where he comes back to Earth to exact his vengeance on the people who exiled him, right? Yeah, yeah, the Illuminati specifically. So, I, I mean, this is this is crazy. Uh, and again, just kind of going forward, you know, we we have guardians up there so like the idea of going getting launched for uh bruce banner to get launched to sakar is very evident you know obviously the tie-ins with uh, uh you know the illuminati dr strange this is a, a, a i think a pretty big post Everything's and there's a lot of speculations to that it's all connected all of it right all the streaming all, all the everything it's all it's all i mean no but i mean like seriously though on a serious note everything that's happened since endgame so, Right? I mean So hear me out. Hear me out on this. I'd love to We got we got Thanos as the big bad in the first, you know, three phases. What if it's Hulk as the big bad for the next three? They just yeah, flip like the they, Hulks. They just flip Wanda heel in, in multiverse of madness. With all the other Hulks? Or against yeah. all the other Hulks as well. Well, I mean, he he would uh, again in Planet Hulk. He takes over Sakar. He becomes the king. I, I, I you know, and, and that's that's kind of a cool story arc and a major twist to the Marvel formula that I know I would be super down for. To and not to mention to get crazed Hulk like that, which we've never really let him go crazy. You know, you had a little bit in the first Avengers. Uh, you know, outside of that, then he just turns into kind of a wimp going forward. He gets yeah. his, the shit kicked out of him by, by Thanos. Thanos. Yeah, he. Yeah. Needs, I mean, he's Hulk's is at his best when he's rage driven, which fuels his gamma infusion, which makes him stronger. And, and even even something like Thor three, which was uh, a controlled anger. Yeah. Up until right at the end, where they fight the uh, uh, Surtur. Yeah. So, uh, man, that would be a really fun story arc. I tell you, the big question now, does this story arc appear on either Aesop or I's list? Because it's worthy. It's probably worthy of being on one of our lists, maybe at least in the top 30. I don't know if it's going to crack the top 10, but let's get into it. Let's let's that. That was such a great drop in that it, it ties in perfectly with the topic of the conversation. The return of the comic spotlight sort of kind of merged with a project listing Aesop and I are going to tackle a daunting subject for you comic book fans out there. The top 10 stories slash story arcs in comics history. A lot of these we know because they have been incorporated into 
so many movies that we love, some of them more successful than others. And we're going to get into that as we go along. But Aesop, you know, first off, I know you said how difficult this list was. It was extraordinarily hard for me as well, because you and I are such big comics lovers. I I do have to bitch about, uh, side note, comiXology. I'm bitching about this right now. I know I've bitched about it before. You know, you can't buy, if you have an Apple product, you can't buy stuff on the comiXology app anymore because Amazon and Apple are in a pissing contest with each other. It's the dumbest shit ever. You can't buy you have to like go through safari and buy something and then import it into comiXology it's like how did we get here that's why i've now got subscriptions to marvel unlimited and dc universe because at least they don't fuck with me as much anyway that's my little aside well that doesn't sound so bad (laughs) no it's not it's just extra shit to deal with extra extra subscriptions and it's just anyway but um you know, we've obviously you and I have led, read a lot of comics. I'm older than you, but then again, I'm the elder statesman of this show. So I've read a lot of stuff. I know you've read a lot of stuff. Uh, what were you like? What was your I know we talk about this on all the project shows kind of like what were you looking for? What were your factors you were taking into consideration that put you over the top as far as what made your top 10 and what might have missed it? Uh, well, I don't know so much about you. I hold the art quite high for me um you know and something that i would have loved to incorporate into my list but you know story arc wise just they they weren't super compelling but uh marvel ultimates the ultimate marvel line from you know more or less 2000 to 2009 the complete change in like that art style was so strong so cool especially in like some of those figures like Iron Man and uh, the X-Men, they got completely different looks um, and, and stuff like that plays a huge factor to me because if that type of art style is gripping, I mean, man, it, it changes up a dynamic so hard. And you even see it a lot in in these uh, um, comic book movies is that the people have adapted those art styles because they were that important to the story itself. Yeah. A la Frank Miller, right? Like I'm guaranteeing we got at least one Frank Miller, a piece on here. At least, at least, but you know, like the ultimate, the art style, I mean, yeah, art style is huge. Like you talk, George Perez passed away. Uh, You know, one of, one of my Neil Adams before that Neil Adams, one of the ones that on here, you know, one of my favorite, stories on here it's got george Perez, but like you talk about the ultimates like one of my favorite stories that didn't make the list but it's on the honorable mentions is the uh the death of spider-man story arc from the ultimates where peter dies and the last few frames of that or the last few panels of that where he dies and green goblin on his dying and, and it's so subtle that they captured it's a slight little teeny grin that crosses his face with his dying breath once he realizes that he's killed off peter um Stuff like that's amazingly powerful for me. Like my list, it's like virtually everything on here. There's something about something that I read or that I saw that once you read it and experience it and see it and process it, it never leaves your memory. And it kind of almost imprints upon people like us who this stuff affects deeply. This stuff kind of imprints. And I I don't want to get out there with religious or any sort of stuff because you guys know that's not me. But it feels like some of this stuff really imprints upon a deeper aspect. If you want to call it your soul or whatever. But some of the stuff that I read really just had a major effect on me because 
it involves these characters that I absolutely love and have developed an attachment to for, you know, I'm 53 now. So most of my life, yeah. you know, and, and that name, like, right. Like we talked about it. World War Hulk, Planet Hulk. Like you say that to a comic book nerd, they know what the hell you're talking about. Secret Wars, you know, whatever. Like there is a whole litany of ones that, you know, we won't say uh, because, you know, whatever. But like. I mean, that right there is so important, so important to have that because uh, I don't, well, again, I don't want to say too much because I'm afraid that it might spoil your list. You know, and, and like I said, I have 30 over, of them over here and I'm still scared of saying just one. <laughs> I hear you, man. I hear you. Well, you know, I think we belabored the issue. Tony is somewhere lurking around. I'm sure he will chime in on this. Uh, he lurks. He lurks. He's a lurker. Similar to other what? shows, if... <laughs> For some reason, I don't anticipate there's going to be a ton of crossover, but there might be. But if I say something or Aesop says something that's higher on one of our lists, we will advise the other one of that, hold up a finger, something, and talk about it. Yeah, the hold up the middle finger and go in that direction. <laughs> um, I'm going to kick it over to you first. As soon as I wrangle up these dogs here a little bit, they are out of control. But we're going to let you kick this thing off with a with your number 10, Aesop. Lead us off on this thing here. Sure. So my first one, uh, I think, is going to catch people off guard. I really enjoy the New Mutants. Uh, I loved that that comic book line. Uh, I loved the the attempt <laughs> at the New Mo- Mutants movie. It, okay, like I get it, it wasn't so great, uh, and especially to the story arc that the New Mo- Mutants movie is based on, the Demon Bear saga is fantastic and uh speaking of art styles initially the sal bishima was the guy that was kind of running with that and uh, eventually he had to drop off because a whole litany of stuff with the marvel series uh just you know had to had to get him away and eventually that led in bill uh who is very legendary in the art uh style he took this over and it was such a staunch difference Having, you know, Danny Moonstar hunted down by a ghostly demon bear uh, pretty much since childhood uh, back in the original introduction of the new uh, mutants line and tries to hunt it down, kill it, hopefully to get some closure. And eventually you see that she breaks down this demon bear and her are kind of uh, at an odd, similar to something like um, Raven and uh trigon in the uh teen titans universe like danny moonstar is holding back this demon bear and eventually you get like magic breaking her down uh breaking into like the different realms to fight this thing and she like danny moonstar fights to stay alive and it just gets wild it's got some really great imagery some violent imagery as well uh, and the sequencing that uh, Sienkiewicz does just is ultimate. It's so good. And, you know, obviously in the end of it, hooray, everyone lives and survives. Uh, and it's just a, a, a good story that has an even uh, a, another classic epilogue that follows where the girls of the new mutants have this like slumber party and bring in uh, a new member, uh, Warlock, the alien mutant. Uh, it's it's crazy. And uh, it's one of those that, that I do recommend that people check out because I 
sure that most of you don't know that story. The New Mutants are, uh, you know, they they're a different, definitely a different sort of group, and there's some really good and powerful stories involving that. I don't know if I've actually read that one all the way through, but I, I get what you're saying. Yeah, the movie was just in production for too long to really latch on to anything. But anyway, uh, with my number ten, so yeah, my number ten, Tony, I think you're going to be able to engage in this conversation because this was one of the big moments in the Arrowverse. This story arc. Um, it's crisis on infinite earth, which probably would rank higher had it not been so long since I actually read, Oh, it's higher on Aesop's. Okay. It is. Yeah. Sweet. <laughs> we will close. We will hold off on that. So we will go to my number nine. Tony's all happy about, um, spoiler alert. Patrick's number one. We all know would be Craven's last hunt, the Spider-Man's. And I don't know if that, that didn't make my list. I don't know if it made Aesop's. But I left it off on I, purpose because I figured that that was going to be mentioned somewhere else. It, 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 I mean, I love the story. It's amazingly powerful. I mean, the fact, you know, Craven deciding that he just can't, he can't be Spider-Man to the point that he offs himself in, in one of the most crazy moments that you'll see in comics history. But I went with a different Marvel character at number nine and, and an equally powerful story, but to me, a little bit more powerful. And my number nine is Daredevil Born Again. That was an honorable mention. I, I wasn't sure if I wanted to put that on there, but I had Daredevil. Uh, Born Again is just awesome. It's tremendous. It is, uh, I mean, if you haven't read it before, Dave Mazzucchelli, I think that's the name of the artist on that one. Um, I don't know if I butchered that or pronounced it wrong, but um, and that's why we're bandwagon nerds and not professional nerds, guys. But the story arc is basically Karen Page, who you see her in the daredevil, the Netflix slash Disney plus now Marvel show. Uh, but in, in this thing, it's a little bit different. Karen becomes a junkie. I don't know what she's addicted to, but to get her next fix, she basically discloses the identity of daredevil as Matt Murdock. Kingpin gets a hold of this information and does everything possible to ruin Matt Murdock. Uh, you know, gets a bankrupts him. He's out of a job. He's basically homeless. He's out on the streets and, and, and the story arc of his his fall and somewhat of a redemption, you know, he does get most everything back at the end and he kind of redeems Karen. He forgives her for what she did and gets her off the junk is uh, man. It is just one of the more powerful story arcs that I've ever read as far as people who think that comics is just kid stuff. Um, read Daredevil Born Again and tell me that after you read that. Oh, yeah, it's all kid stuff. I mean, they're dealing with very mature difficult content in that story arc but it's it's like i said earlier stuff that you see that you don't unsee that kind of like seeps into your consciousness the born again story arc is right there for me so i will uh you know i know aesop you mentioned it what were your thoughts on on this tremendous story there you know there's the name we were talking about frank miller was the writer on that too um this one was quite dramatic because uh, it's it I don't know if that that was anything we've ever seen before in comics the idea of like this sneaky play long play of breaking down a hero like that and especially someone like uh Daredevil who had a decent following uh initially this was kind of the arc that really got him going in the MC uh universe uh, MC universe from the Marvel comics universe. So when I say MCU, that's what, uh, it's going to have to go It'll be there uh, soon overall. Enough. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, Karen page, like you said, the, the secretary 
uh, between Nelson and Murdoch's. Um, yeah, just crazy. Uh, how, how crazy of a, of a long play that that was too, turning into a heroin addict. And, uh, you know, eventually she's like in Mexico shooting porn and it's just crazy. Is that just, just a complete breakdown of every character, uh, not just the one. And they did it in a time where they didn't dabble too much in this concept of addiction. I mean, they dealt like they had that green arrow, green lantern crossover where speedy got hooked onto onto drugs and and it was those two guys who got them off that but they didn't dabble in it too much yet but this kind of brought it here's this problem with addiction and just how deep this can go and how problematic this can be all right man what do you got for your uh what your number nine yeah my number nine uh a story that i i think is kind of cool because it, it changes up the whole story of batman uh i should say rather the world of batman and that's court of owls I really enjoyed honorable mention. Honorable mention. Really enjoyed the Court of Owls and the the idea of the the agents, uh, Talon agents, just going around doing the dirty work in Gotham, and you know, it it kind of changes up your your viewing of, like I said, of Gotham itself. You know, the idea that this organization has been around for so long without you know batman even knowing and eventually like his detective skills <laughs> bring forth a whole uh you know whole thing to light it sheds a massive light and batman obviously takes issue <laughs> with all of this and tries to take down the organization um uh, greg capullo is the guy that does all, uh, much of the art and the the art in this is just vibrant it's Still dark yet very Michael Bay y as well. Uh, and Scott Schneider does a great job at uh, hiding the mystery of the Court of Owls, and uh, you know, on top of that, writing some some good story arcs. Uh, I enjoyed it a lot, and that's actually like one that I can't wait to see in a film or a TV series of sorts because the Court of Owls is sneaky good. Um, and if honestly, I remember correctly, I, honestly, I thought I've actually seen or heard something about that coming to something. I, oh, I was just about to say, I think Gotham Knights might be Court of Owls based might. now that I think about it. it I think that was mentioned there. Yeah, like the good thing, I mean, Court of Owls is cool because like for most, most of that story arc, Batman is still operating under his almost in denial of the fact that these guys are real. You know, he's kind of. He's kind of going in the whole thing where he says that, uh, what is that? Tony? It's a brewer's flag. Oh, brewer's flag, 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 whatever. Uh, just picked it. <laughs> awesome. But the thing is like, you know, he's in denial thinking that they're just, they're just a myth for the longest time until it's almost damn near too late. He, Batman almost gets offed by the court of Owls. He's down in that labyrinth for who knows how long dealing with, you know, these guys driving him basically slowly insane and, and he, he eventually kind of powers out of this thing. But yeah, that's, it's a really, really powerful and awesome story arc. And, and the ending sequence of, you know, wondering, like finding out that so one of these court members might be related to, to Batman, uh, like great, great arc. Yeah. They, it was, uh, wasn't this like this was like the beginning when the new 52 launched? This was the first Batman story, wasn't it? I think like the first 
15 or 20. I think so. Yeah, I mean, talk about a way to get a new line up and running. That's uh, that's as powerful as you're going to get. What do you got for your number eight, Aesop? My number eight, um, this one I can definitely see you having higher on your list. It's the coming of Galactus. This was a fun story, and it's an old one, too, which I always love to kind of show some love to one of those newer ones, or um, rather older story arcs. But this is Stan Lee and Jack Kirby right here, right? Bringing in some like one of the most powerful figures in Marvel comics with Galactus and bringing us an iconic character in the silver surfer as well. And establishing the fantastic four. I I mean, there is so much to this for such a, a simple story. Just the idea that Galactus is coming, right? Like, who is this Galactus? Well, here's Silver Surfer to kind of break the damn news. Like, your world is fucked. And you better do something about it because I don't want to have to deal with this anymore. I, you know, whatever. Um, and then having like Reed Richards threatening Galactus, uh, you know, it's a very iconic shot with him and the ultimate nullifier, which is, you know, if you couldn't tell it was an old story arc, just look at ultimate nullifier for an example of, uh, or just evidence of that. Also, I think that also gives us the watcher too, uh, a bigger part of that. So that whole arc was, uh, I think pretty pivotal to Marvel comics going forward. Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, the introduction of basically the introduction of silver surfer as a herald of Galactus and Galactus showing up, and, and like you're saying, Aesop, with the whole notion of here's this being that all he cares about, he has to eat. It's not anything. It's kind of like the Godfather. It's not personal. It's just business. He has to consume. It doesn't matter any of your, you know, your lives or anything like that. But yeah, the the the, the fact that Galactus is one of the most. I mean, a lot of speculation. He could be the big bad. You know, they don't get bigger and badder than Galactus. But you know, we talked about movie adaptations that didn't go well. And this is this is one of them here where although I never had so many problems with the Silver Surfer, the fact that Galactus showed up as a cloud uh, did not resonate very well with Marvel fans or comic book fans everywhere who, you know, and I understand the argue the counter argument. We couldn't just portray this big, tall guy with this costume on is like, well, it worked in Eternals. So maybe you were not correct about that assumption. And. And and that sort of thing. But yeah, it's it's one of he's one of those characters, him and Silver Surfer and Fantastic Four. This story was so iconic that this is why, you know, like I know Chris has asked, you know, why do they keep wanting to remake Fantastic Four movies? Because the stories are so great and it is one of the most powerful, the first family of comics and they want to get it right. So and that's that's almost a 60 year old story at this point. Like, holy shit. And it still stands. And it still hasn't been done right. And we're going to talk about more stories that haven't been done right as we come on here. Uh, my number eight is a little bit more recent. It's a uh, secret empire. The Captain America flip story where Kobik, the cosmic cube has basically uh, brainwashed everybody and into realizing that there's uh, it turned Steve Rogers into thinking that he was a Hydra agent all along. And, Seeing, you know, I talked earlier, stuff that you see that you don't unsee. Steve Rogers, Captain America, is an agent of Hydra. And just the depth of his trying to control things for the benefit of Hydra 
and 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 just seeing him in that light is really immensely powerful and and you know you get to see just the, the you know we always knew that Steve was a very savvy military tactician you add the element of evil to the whole thing and you get to see just how scary a proposition this would give him power ultimate power like this and you know he puts a defense shield around the planet so captain marvel and all the really powerful cosmic beings can't break through as he just grinds away to try and find the fragments of the cube and and it looks really bleak for 90 percent of it until the real Steve Rogers. And that's the interesting thing is they never actually flip the bad one back. It's the good one that comes out of this alternate reality and beats him. And even at the end, you know, the evil Steve Rogers still sitting in a jail cell somewhere on like, you know, the raft or some shit like that. But it's a, it's, and you saw a little bit of a nod to this in end game that where Steve shows up at the elevator and they're all like, we can't let you have Hydra. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. That's straight from secret empire. And, and unless you read this, you would have been like, why, why would he say that? Well, this is why he would say that. So uh, it's, it's a, I love the story. It's a, it can get a little convoluted in a few places, but it's um, you know massively powerful for me. So secret empire is number eight. Fair. Uh, and that was a controversial story. A lot of people were pissed the fuck off at that story arc. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's Captain America. That is Marvel's golden boy. Right. You know, and you saw it all throughout, uh, uh, what's it called in in the MCU, you know, that's America's ass. Right. So, uh, when, when that happened, man, people were pissed because that was right in the center of the MCU, like film stuff. So yeah, uh, it, it had a much better uh, finish to it than it did the start. That's for sure. Well, yeah, It's, it's hard because, you know, with all these big mega events, you know, like stuff that I like, like didn't make my list, but is on honorable mention, like Marvel, you know, Avengers disassembled bleeding into house of M. It's so big that it's like, where do I start, you know, to actually get a grasp of what's going on. But yeah, uh, Secret Empire got number eight for me. Is it to me for number seven or you? I think it's to you. Me. So my number seven, this this was when I really got back into comics about a decade ago. Um, you know, I took some time off and from when I was a kid. But when I really got back into it, this is like one of the first stories that I read, the story arc I read. And man, it blew me away. It's Avengers versus X-Men. I don't know if you've read this. Talk, yeah. Talking about stuff that shocks you and things that are like, Oh my God, Cyclops being imbued with the Phoenix force. And you know, that whole, that whole saying that absolute power corrupts absolutely is never more evident than in this whole damn series where you've got these four X-Men and I don't even remember which ones. I think Emma is one of the ones who also gets uh, corrupted by this thing. And, and I'm not sure Namor, he's the number, another one. So You've got some really heavy hitters who are already powerful enough to deal with. Then you inject them with this Phoenix force. But Cyclops killing Xavier near the end of this whole thing is one of the more jarring moments. Because, you know, if you anybody who's an X-Men fan knows that Cyclops, Scott Summers, has been like a son to Xavier for much of the run of that thing. So to see him actually be the one to kill him and is is just immensely crazy and it's like spider-man is like kind of like the unsung hero who is able to figure out how this whole thing works but it's a very long story arc 
uh, you know, for the most, and it's again, you talk, we talk about secret empire, Captain America, really the brains behind a lot of this thing, but it's kind of Spider-Man. Who's the hero of this thing. This is one where, man, I would love to see this one brought to the MCU and Avenger. Like, even if they, if they brought in the X-Men initially as antagonists, kind of like Wanda and Pietro were in age of Ultron. Can you imagine that? Everybody's just, I can't wait for the X-Men to show up. And they kind of come in as bad guys. And you have this big fight between Avengers and X-Men. Granted, it wouldn't yeah. be it wouldn't be Phoenix Force X-Men, evil X-Men, but could just be a, a misunderstanding of sorts. But that's a hell of a fight, you know, with especially when you look at the Avengers who would probably get in phase four or five against maybe the original X-Men lineup. You know, that's that's a much more even battle than, you know, getting Thor, Iron Man, Cap, those guys, Hulk involved against even that version of the X-Men. But yeah, this series was, it was very long running. You know, they had to go and recruit Hulk who'd kind of isolated himself to kind of help turn the tide. But man, if you want a a really powerful story to read with lots of good action, very deep stuff, Avengers versus X-Men, you can't, can't yeah. go wrong with that. And that's not even the, the taken into consideration. The first part where cable is, you know, more or less taken down the Avengers as well, you know, to protect hope summers. Yes. Uh, that was yes. uh, yeah, and that was crazy stuff right there. Even um, it, the amount of characters that they brought in that was Infinity War uh, slash Endgame level, <laughs> right? To put it to put it into those uh, those terms that we can understand, or so like others can understand, is uh, yeah, just crazy. Um, my seven. I, I know you just sort of mentioned it, the idea of mixing story arcs. Oh, I had to a little bit. This is one of my favorites. It's not Marvel. It's not DC. But I loved From Hell into League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Loved that. Alan Moore. I'm a sucker for Alan Moore. And... The idea of bringing over all of these literary characters is just so cool in the reimagining of them all as well. Uh, you know, you got it, from hell basically gives you the the story of Jack the Ripper, which is just cool. And to turn it into this murder mystery, uh, just awesome with the historical details and the footnotes provided. Amazing to see the uh, impressive narrative that was being made by Alan Moore uh, at this time to weave into the story. Uh, and then, like I said, just to bring it into the the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, because more or less these two do tie in together. From Hell is kind of the precursor of it all. But getting the likes of uh, uh, the Elephant Man, uh, the uh, Invisible Man, uh, Captain Nemo and such, just crazy fun story and it that is probably something that i wish got turned into a tv series i know we got the movie and i think the movie gets unjustly shit upon i don't think it's that bad uh in fact i have a lot of fun watching that movie but uh that is a a tv series just wait begging to be made you talked earlier about art style. The art style in From Hell is some stuff that you <laughs> that will stick with you. Some of the stuff that they portray of the women after what uh, you know after Jack's had his way with them, and and yeah, it's it's one of the more 
it's a long graphic novel. That's for sure. You know, it's like some 500 pages or something like that, but it's, it's very powerful. League of extraordinary gentlemen is one I, I need to read. I haven't read that yet, but yeah, that's a great choice, man. Because those are they, I mean, powerful, I, you know, it's loosely based on history. I mean, who knows with Jack the Ripper, who knows what the real story is because no one's figured that out for 250 years or however long it's freaking been. But what's your number six, man? Now we can talk about it. Crisis on Inf- Infinite Earths. Like that's a, a the one of the most uh, the most memorable panels is just watching the Flash disintegrate, right? And him doing his his own eulogy of sorts as you know he just dies. And not to mention uh, Supergirl also passing as well in this uh, arc too. Um, a ton uh, I, I of them die. Like, a ton of them die, but those are the ones yeah, that stand out. Again, that flash panel is truly terrifying. It is like it, it is some nightmare fuel. Uh, watching his face just get like absorbed in. Uh, and and I'll, I'll say less because I'm sure PC wants to jump in on this one if he's around. <laughs> so uh, yeah, that's that's my uh, six. Tony, are you there? We we need your input on Crisis on Infinite Earths because we've obviously seen the mega crossover in the Arrowverse, but I don't know if Tony's there or not. Probably not. I guess he's checked out on us. Ah, uh, look, this was hey, a, George Perez. There's that George Perez yeah. uh, mention, and, and this was the event that you know it, it's 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 you know you had who was it Wolfman who wrote this thing who wanted yes. to get rid of wanted to get rid of the uh, the multiverse because he thought the DC multiverse was too unwieldy and, and it wasn't appealing to people who are trying to get involved. I don't know if it accomplished that because then you now you've got this, this split in the timeline where stuff's considered pre-crisis and post-crisis. But yeah, I mean, insurmountable odds. And, and yeah, like I said, lots and lots and lots of heroes die in this story. It's not like, you know, Blackest Night sort of stuff. And I don't know if that's coming up later on or something like that. But, uh huh. But, you know, you, you talk about people who've died and lots of deaths and scary sort of things. But yeah, like you're saying, the scene of Flash sacrificing himself and dying and just, you know, like you said, just vanishing away into nothing. And of course, yes, the death of Supergirl, which, you know, is, is, that's some of the most powerful stuff ever. It's a tremendous story. It's one that I'm actually going back and rereading because it's been so many years since I read it. And, and, you know, with, with Perez's passing and that sort of thing, it's like, well, I want to go back and check this out. But yeah, that's a great choice at number six, Aesop. Um, my number six is civil war. And I don't know if that's higher on yours, man. Talk about a, a long running, I mean, multifaceted, too many tie-ins to keep track of, but you know, and, and in the MCU's version of civil war, if I had any, my, any, my complaint about it is it was only one movie and it really deserved to probably be two, but they kind of captured the gist of it. But the whole thing of the registration act and on one side, heroes who were agreeing to register and basically disclose their identities and other side heroes who weren't. And the rift that this caused the idealistic rift that this causes between, yeah, between Iron Man's group and Captain America's group and everything that goes into it and and the way it ends, you know, the way the whole thing eventually ends with so many with, you know, it's not crisis on infinite, infinite earth levels of, of heroes dying, but there are casualties. That's for sure. And at the end of this whole thing, Captain America deciding 
you know, for the betterment of the world and the betterment of his friends and, and team, I'm going to turn myself in only to get assassinated on the steps of the Capitol. And that's kind of how Civil War ends. And even Tony at the end, realizing the price that has been paid for this war that tore everybody apart. It's it's a tremendous story, you know, and, and it's gut wrenching to see your favorites go to battle with each other, especially to this magnitude and the lines in the sand that forced them to be drawn. The movie doesn't doesn't do this story arc justice, but this is one of the all time great story arcs. It goes on forever. And it's just, yeah, those guys pitted against each other. But it it wasn't just them. It brought in everybody. I mean, you got Fantastic Four Civil War tie ins. You've got X-Men tie ins, you know, things that Fantastic Four tie ins. And, and you just didn't see anything like that in the in the MCU version. But it's a it is, you know, one of the earlier examples of a major mega crossover event for the, for Marvel comics. Yeah. That, I mean, w- what else do we need to say about that one? That one it got portrayed wonderfully on, on screen. And like you said, maybe it needed a second film, but we know civil war. We understand civil war. It was a great one. Yeah, it was. So to me, number five, yes. the halfway point. So my number five is in my opinion, I know Aesop, you talked about story arcs, you know, crossing over and things like that. This to me is the ultimate crossover. It's JLA Avengers at number five, you know, George Perez, Kurt Busiek, who did the writing for this thing. And both of them have been so involved in, in Marvel and DC over the years. And I know this seems like for people out there who would think Marvel and DC did a crossover. Yes. Numerous times, many, many times actually back in the day. But to me, and I understand this story is difficult to follow and it's convoluted and it, it's complex, but for me, as a kid growing up, the Justice League of America and the Avengers, they were everything to me. And so many people wondered what would happen if these two groups met each other, who would win in a fight. And this story did the best that it could to answer that. Um, and I mean, the first half is kind of like the initial showdown between them. But there's there's stuff there that you don't you just don't forget, like when Thor and Superman throw down and Thor swings Molnir and Superman just grabs it. And Thor, the shock on his face as, you know, you know, by the gods, you know, nobody can stand up to this. And Superman just basically flings him around. And then when Thor gets taken down, the Avengers, just the shock of the, all this thing. And they go after Superman with everything that they've got. Aquaman jumps in on it's stuff that you just are like awestruck as what's going on. And then the back half where they get some alternate reality, where kind of Barry Allen's back, even though he sacrifices himself again the vision of Superman holding Mjolnir, you know, and the Captain America shield to try and take down everything at the end of this whole thing. It's not the easiest story to follow, but as far as just kind of like this, what if the ultimate, what if, what if the Avengers and the justice league threw down, you got to read this. It is absolutely worth your time. If you can find it, I think they've tried to put it back out in print recently. I don't know. I've got a copy of it. Not easy to find anymore, but if you have the means and it's going to cost you about seventy to a hundred dollars to find it in print. Uh, it is definitely worth your read. It's one of my all-time favorites. Yeah, uh, uh, the only thing I could say to that is don't be expecting to see that on screen anytime soon. No, <laughs> no. unfortunate. Yeah. It would but... be it'd be cool if they did something like that. There's just so many obstacles to overcome on that thing. But yeah, it's. It, it studio was, obstacles studio, studio obstacles yeah the the comic the companies probably like do it but because they already said do it but you when you 
the great thing about it is they got people involved who have been involved in both the Avengers and Justice League to do the series. So that yeah. was important to keep honest to what they'd already what they'd already kind of established. Otherwise, it probably wouldn't have wouldn't have worked out so well. You know, kind of like where they did DC versus Marvel years years later and let the fans decide who would win between Storm and Wonder Woman. And you guys got that wrong. But anyway. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, my five, we talked about uh, the new mutants earlier. So I got to go with the DC alternative. Uh, that's Teen Titans and the Judas Contract. The Judas Contract is awesome. Just starting off with the new Teen Titans, bringing in the, the Titans that we know. So the Cyborgs, the Starfire, and then uh, really upgrading uh, the likes of Robin, who dons the mantle of Nightwing at this point. And, you know, Kid Flash just saying, you know, screw it. He's out of here. Bringing in this, uh, you know, someone that is pretty well known, I would think, to to the Titans uh, universe in Terra and her attempt to dismantle the uh, the Teen Titans internally via, uh, from uh, taking orders from Deathstroke. I mean, this is such a great arc that has been done. Uh, what? I can think of at least seven different iterations of this, uh, this arc, because it is the most compelling arc that the Titans have ever had. So, uh, I mean, and they're going to try to do it again, I guarantee you, in the future. Did they do it? Have they done it on the show? I'm I'm still watching Titans, but I don't know. I I have yet to watch Titans like right. that. And I know that's a uh, shame shame on me, but <laughs> me too. I mean they I'm did halfway on, through like some of it. They did it on on the kids show. Uh, yeah. I mean that was that was uh you know one of their big I want to say season 2 uh stuff was the Judas contract. It's a sneaky, sneaky good story, and and it's kind of underrated, I think, because you know Teen Titans, PC Tiny just left us, Asaf. He just he just bailed yeah. on us. Yeah, yeah. What fine. is that? Whatever, man. That's just awful. But uh, it's <laughs> it's it's an underrated story, that's for sure, uh, by a lot of people. But yeah, that's a great call. It's one of the and, and the weird relationship, like unsettling relationship between Terra and Deathstroke is like. Ugh. It's fucking gross. And, it's and really Death, kind of gross. Deathstroke's relationship with the Titans through history is is in some respects he's the he's their villain. Some places he's their ally, but never really their ally. He always kind of harbors a grudge, I think, against them for certain things. But yeah, that's a fantastic call. A very, very awesome story. What do you got for your number four, man? Uh let's bring it back. It's Blackest Night. Uh first things first. I shit on blackest night when i initially saw it because this came out after marvel zombies and after the success of marvel zombies i was like this is just this is just dc trying to follow up because that, initially that's what it looked like it looked like it was just going to be marvel zombies but now in the dcu or dc universe i was wrong I'm so wrong. And the more that as the years go by, Blackest Night is so important to the, to DC, to comic lore, to everything. The idea of having these other lantern corps out there that is just is just crazy. And they're they're 
pivotal now into so many of the stories uh, and not to mention getting, uh, I believe it's um, uh, Hal, you know, taking on the specter role and, and all that is just crazy. Um, and and, and, and how huge was the specter to crisis on infinite earth? That doesn't turn around without the specter. Exactly. And, and especially when uh, Hal is, or this was fighting the specter for much of it. And now for him to, to kind of be merged together uh, and uh, have to throw a small shout out because this this series doesn't happen without the Sinestro Corps uh, as well, which was another great storyline that that one is in uh, an autumn, um, honorable mention. But yeah, Blackest Night. So big, so big and so good. Yeah, I, I when you said Marvel Zombies and you were comparing to that, I was like in the back of my mind, I was like, oh, it's really not. That's it. But I, but you kind of brought it all the way back home, and it looks like that at first blush. But then when you yes. realize what the Black Lanterns are really doing, and and it takes on a even more. I mean, zombies are horrific. What the Black Lanterns do is even worse, and probably ten times worse. Where they bringing back loved ones, and, and there's so many moments where you've got your heroes who are being confronted by people that they love to have now been flipped into these black lanterns and having to go and battle them and take them down again. You don't get much more powerful moments than that. And you see that repeatedly in blackest night as the story progresses. And it is, it is heartbreaking and it's gut wrenching to watch what some of these characters have to go through. Ivan Reese did a fantastic job with the storytelling. Um, and, And yeah, I, when I said the Marvel zombies, it was, more of the art and not the story. Right. Uh, you know, just initially seeing it, they look like zombies. And then you realize it's so much worse than that. It really is. Yeah. I mean, these, these, you know, zombies are kind of mindless. These black lanterns, not so much, you know, and, and that, and that's, that's a problem, you know, a big and problem. And then go, going into the lantern spectrum altogether, the, you know, the red rage lanterns, uh, the love of the purple lanterns, uh, and you know the knowledge of the blues and you know all that stuff it gets crazy yeah it, it really does and it, and i thought it was important to because kind of got away from the whole yellow's the weakness of greenland <laughs> that sort of thing and like we're gonna go as far away from that as we can um my number four probably the most culturally significant storyline in comics history the one that broke mainstream down and i mean when you've got mainstream outlets covering a comic series, you know that it's big and it's the death of Superman. It's, it, you know, 1993, when this story came out, when DC decided we are going to kill off the most well-known, I know he's not the most popular. I mean, he's my favorite. I know a lot of people don't share my sentiments. Fine. Whatever. Aesop's probably one of them. Ray, I know is definitely one of them. All that is, I'm a lantern guy. And and that nothing wrong with that at all. But I think we can all agree that as far as like, if you're looking at a character to kill off, that is going to make the biggest impact. There's none bigger than Superman, right? I mean, that's, that's the biggest, that or Batman, right? Right. It's, it's either that or Batman. What else are you going to pick? And even when Batman dies in final crisis, it's not on this level where, you know, where it was being covered by mainstream outlets and, and the leading into the final few issues of this death of Superman, where the art you talk about art style, what they did here was fantastically brilliant because like three episodes out from the end, it's like each each page is like three panels. And then when they get down to the penultimate episode, each page is two panels and they start to really zero in on this battle between Superman and Doomsday. And then that last episode, that last issue 
every single page is a full panel of this battle between Superman and Doomsday to the end. Or at least you think it's the end. And and they let him stay kind of dead for a few months until they brought him back. But and then everything that led, you know, the reign of the Superman funeral for a friend, um, bringing the return of Superman and all the various, you know, cyborg Superman steel kind of comes out of this whole thing. Uh, it's it's a huge story. But yeah, the I mean, you look at iconic imagery, that last page, that last panel of death of Superman with him dying in Lois's arms with his head held back and her looking skyward, tears streaming down. Dude, it does not get any bigger. And for somebody like me, Superman's my favorite of all time, to see my favorite die. And and you don't think of Superman as having any sort of vulnerability. He's invulnerable. He can't die. He just stopped Mjolnir. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) We talked about that earlier. And then Doomsday takes him out. Uh, Just the mainstream attention and just the attention to detail in this whole story and just kind of wrapping yourself around the fact that there's somebody out there who can kill him. Oh my God. Yeah. Death of Superman is massively powerful for me. That's it's my number four. Oh yeah. Me to number three. I forgot. That's <laughs> um, So at number three, talking about movie, you talked about Galactus earlier. You talked about silver surfer stuff that they have not been able to do. Right. My number three is the Dark Phoenix saga. It's higher on Aesop's. I knew exactly where you were going with that. Well, we won't have to talk about uh, too much longer uh, right. for it, but what we'll you, get to it. What do you got for your number three? My number three is uh, one of the most recent movies out there, and that's Year One Batman. Uh, year One is so good. And I know we kind of get that with Batman Begins as well, but really, the Batman is Year One Batman. And. Uh, um, another Frank Miller piece, Frank Miller and uh, Dave Mazzucchelli, like we were talking about before, uh, you know, just the story of Batman and James Gordon. Right. And in this uh, this comic one also too, Harvey Dent plays a big role in that. And I, we didn't get that in the Batman. But, uh, you know, seeing Bruce trying to be initially this vigilante without a costume even and getting the shit kicked out of him. Until he finally dawns on him that like he needs to use his fears to to become, you know, the the hope of Gotham City. So he becomes a fucking bat, (laughs) right? Uh, A huge inspiration for both Batman Begins and the Batman. Frank Miller wrote this entire story in wonderful in a wonderful style. It seems like it's prepared for a movie at some point. And the artwork to tie along with it, too, is equally as cinematic as well. Uh, Evident in so much of that is Jim Gordon's honest cop, you know, and being like you. I can be just as big of a hero for Gotham in front of everyone as Batman is behind the scenes. And, you know, this starts to create this brotherhood relationship that those two have. You know, in in the you know previous novels, you know of, of sort and uh, everything going forward, just crazy good. Uh, I love Batman Year One. Yeah, it's it's like you mentioned it. Batman Begins kind of dabbles in it. The Batman is kind of somewhere falling, I guess, between Year One and Year Two, even though they say it's Year Two. But you see more of Year One batman in in kind of the robert pattinson but the thing about in the comics you know year one batman is far from uh from flawless makes a lot of mistakes 
and, and you know, is still finding his grip and his footing. Um, Jim Gordon is like the only honest cop in the entire precinct when year one comes out there. And, and I mean, you know, he's got, I think he fights, who's it? F- uh, Flass, who was kind of portrayed totally differently in the comics than he was on screen. You know, in the comics, he's big buff badass and Jim Gordon calls upon all of his training to take him down. And it's, it's an awesome, awesome aspect of it. The uh, Batman year one animated version, not is pretty, is worth checking out too. They bring a lot of that stay pretty true to, you know, it's not like killing joke, which I don't know if it made any of our lists where they kind of really go left a field of things in the animated version. But yeah, year one is an awesome call, man. That's fantastic. What's your number two? Now let's talk about it. It's Dark Phoenix. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah uh, exactly. The amount of characters that get introduced, the amount of characters that end up leaving, uh, it's just, man. And like you said, they just can't do it right. Twice. Why? Twice now. I, I don't know why they can't. I don't know why. Um, it To me, it's actually a pretty straightforward story. And it's good. But yeah, uh, Dark Dark Phoenix is what probably one of the most influential uh, story arcs of all time, um, and definitely for the X Men, uh, it's the the pinnacle for them. Yeah, I mean the fact, and I forget the guy's name who drives Jean insane. You know, gets in her head and and, and creates this kind of like. It's almost House of Emish where they create this kind of alternate reality in her head where she forgets about Cyclops and thinks she's with this other person. And it slowly erodes everything that, you know, Xavier kind of like tried to do to keep because he knew that there was a potential. And this is after, you know, Jean kind of she goes from Miss. What was she? Miss Marvel? Was that who she was originally? Yeah. The original Miss Marvel. Then she dies and sacrifices herself. But the Phoenix Force brings her back. But. This Phoenix Force is, in the words of Daniel Bryan, fickle, to say the very least, as far as like, is it, you know, a good force? Is it for the force of evil? With Gene, it was always kind of somewhere in between. And then in a force of itself. Exactly. It's it's got its own machinations and its own purpose. But here, when she flips and turns into Dark Phoenix and the consumer of worlds and kills an entire galaxy, barely a thought, the blink of her eye. And just at the end of the whole thing, which they've never gotten right, like with the last stand, you know, this whole notion that Wolverine kills her bullshit. That's not what happens or whatever the fuck they do in Dark Phoenix. I don't even care. But, you know, in the comics, it's Jean who takes herself off the board and does it right in front of Scott, you know, basically neutronizes herself with this Shire cannon that takes her out. Uh, you talk about powerful scenes, you know, we talk about death of Superman in that last panel, man, the scene and, and flash and crisis and infinite earth, that scene where she wipes herself out and Scott can't get to her in time. And she's basically holding him off, you know, and, and, and she's got to do it in such a way that she tricks herself and tricks the Phoenix force into not interfering is brilliant. Uh, also too, it led to a fantastic. What if, uh, if you didn't read that as well, where, Dark Phoenix wins. And if you want a, a gruesome uh, tale right there, at least the the uh, artwork and the imagery, holy shit, look, look up that what if of what if the Dark Phoenix won. Um, also, too, think of the characters that came in. We got Kitty Pride, We got Emma Frost. 
Dazzler, Hellfire Club. So that means Sebastian Shaw as well. Huge. It's a massive story arc. And, and I mean, and everything that happens, you know, without that, without her dying, you don't get the whole Madeline Pryor, you know, her introduction. Goblin whole, Queen and all that. Yeah, yeah, all that stuff never comes in without that. It's it's a massive story. I don't know why they can't get her. I don't know why they just don't follow the story arc in the comics, why they've got to play with it and dick around with it because it never works. So, so many wise. Yeah, maybe the, maybe the, maybe MCU can get it. Why? Because, dude, you want to talk about a big bad. Dark Phoenix. I mean, <laughs> uh, so many what ifs. <laughs> I mean, if they wanted to go in that direction and make her the big bad, which would be surprising, I'm sure, but she's right up there. You know, you talk about Galactus, Doctor Doom, Kang, Dark Phoenix. It's a big problem. You know, somebody who could stand up there with Thanos, even with the gauntlet, and basically say, "Bring it." Um, you know, that's that's pretty big. Um, my number two. You know, we talked about. Uh, you talk about. Um, Frank Miller haven't talked much about Alan Moore, but we're going to talk about him here because my number two is Watchmen. Oh, that's oh, okay. Well, I guess we now know what Aesop's number one is going to be on here. So yeah. let, let's go there. I mean, so your number two is going to be Watchmen. My number one is going to be the Dark Knight Returns, Frank Miller. Um, so let's talk. I mean, these are kind of one A and one B, but let's talk about Watchmen first. Why? What? I mean, yeah, it was really close between these two for two and one. Why is Watchmen your number one? Watchmen is the one comic book series that I have. I I own it. I have like three different uh, prints of it. I love the Watchmen. I loved the TV series. I loved the movie. This story is so crazy good right and the the breakdown of these characters uh throughout you know first of all starting off with the comedian's death just wow and the iconic iconic imagery of the comedian's button with that little splash of blood on it wow it you, it needs you need to know that the DC and uh, M, uh, Marvel Universe, so the, the comics, I should say, those offices were passing around the Watchmen. Uh, they they were enthralled by this thing. And you knew they had a hit on their hand. And again, uh, talk about a story arc that's just lasted. I, I, I It's hard for me to put into exact words why I love it so much. Maybe it's because of the realism. I think to me that is something that really works because outside of Manhattan, all these are humans. You know, these are just humans and they are trying to, they, they, they try to make this uh, facade of sorts of, you know, we are heroes, we're superheroes, when in actuality, they're just as fucked up as every last one of us. And we, they each have, their own desires and um, have their own issues as well, addictions and stuff. And it's just wild, uh, you know, and just the famous line of Ozymandias as well. Of You know, I, I, I did it 35 minutes ago, <laughs> like uh, just awesome. Great panels, great lines and just so much to love. In that, and that is my second Alan Moore. I did give you From Hell and 
uh, League right. of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Yeah, you're right. You're I right. love me some Alan Moore. He's tremendous. Yeah, and he's and he's still around. So you know, I know they're dropping like flies. Alan's still around, but yeah, Watchmen is like I I know I've got a copy of it as well in hard hardcover. But the the notion that you know these superheroes and like you're saying Aesop they aren't they're they're you know they're kind of like comparable to Batman because they're all humans they've got some fighting abilities and things Rorschach's got a cool mask that sort of thing but really they're just people like the rest of us who decided to band together and fight crime but they were so good at their job that they end up getting banned you know and 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 you know, so they can't be superheroes anymore and in the midst of all this the one true superhero whose power probably exceeds anybody in the DC universe. Dr. Manhattan, who is remarkable as far as what he can do. And yeah, like you're saying, Ozymandias, you know, I, I did this 35 minutes ago. I mean, you know, the death of uh, Rorschach is one of those scenes that you don't, shit. that you don't unsee. And it's, it's equally bad. And I mean, and I know like we shit on Zack Snyder earlier. I, and that Patrick, I know I've talked to him. Watchmen is the one, that he actually likes. And and I liked it up too. I didn't agree with the end because I thought that they should I understand why they did it. I get it, but it kind of talked took away the whole thing about, you know, why are they after Dr. Manhattan and that sort of thing and 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 the whole, you know, getting the world to unite against an alien threat instead of Dr. Manhattan. I think I like the graphic novel better, but it is what it is. Uh but yeah, that's um yeah, Dr. Manhattan is something, but the whole story is just it is some of the most powerful storytelling you'll ever see the flip, you know, where Ozymandias who hero, not so much, you know, at the end of this whole thing. And just the notion of sacrificing all these people for a greater good. Ah, it's, it's so hard to kind of reconcile that, but man, what an amazing story. Just remember this made it onto times top 100 novels of the 20th century. <laughs> like it's that good. It's that good, people. It made it into time. <laughs> yeah, that's when you're making Time Magazine. And, I mean, that's that's something to As a graphic novel. As a graphic novel. And it's considered one of the all-time great literary works uh, ever. So, yeah, it's, it's a, a magnificent story. I absolutely love it. Um, I like when they kind of brought the Watchmen universe into the DC Prime universe in, like, uh, was it... Um, I forget which story it was, but it's very recently. I know they did it very recently. So speaking of DC, though, not my number one was The Dark Knight Returns, which I didn't think made your list, though. No, it did not. Yeah. I, again, I figured that was going to get brought up. I was trying to to throw some love in other directions uh, because there's you said one A, one B. For me, it's like it's Watchmen and then it goes into one B's for a lot of everything because there's so many good arcs out there. The dark Knight returns. It's funny because you had your year, you know, you've got your two ends of the spectrum, right? You had year one, which is the beginning dark Knight returns is the end. And, and it's, it's Batman who's in his fifties. It's many years later. He's been retired for a long time, but he gets brought out of it by the appearance of this gang, these mutants, these mutant, I don't forget what the hell they were, but he comes out of retirement, uh, you know, brings on somebody new as, as a new kind of Robin. Uh, this is many years after Dick's gone and Nightwing and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but the conflict, you know, it's probably best known for the fight near the end between Batman and Superman, where Batman beats Superman's ass because he outsmarts him. 
And Superman's immensely more powerful. Batman knows he can't match him power-wise. Batman outsmarts him. You know, you get stuff with Green Arrow and Kryptonite Arrows and, and things of that nature. Uh, but the, the story progression of kind of Batman's last stand and him finding himself and kind of showing even as an older kind of version of himself, which we're probably going to get in maybe Flashpoint. We're going to see a variation of that. Uh, it's just, it's some magnificent storytelling as how Batman kind of assumes control of Gotham and why even all these years later, you know, where Jim Gordon was his ally, the president sees Batman as a threat and Superman's not quite the Superman we remember. You know, he's been beaten down by years of whatever's gone on and he's now kind of a puppet of the government doing their bidding. But, you know, stuff at the end is great where, you know, you think that you think that Bruce has died, but he really hasn't. And Superman's kind of in on the whole thing at the end. And you kind of wonder, did he know the whole time that he wasn't dead or was it just kind of something at the end? But it's it's a tremendous story told. Uh, it's different than most of the other Batman. You look at stuff like The Long Halloween, which honorable mention, hush, honorable mention, is a different Batman story. And it's just really, really, really well done. Yeah, yeah. And uh, you know what's one of the, the greatest things of this is not only does uh, you know, Batman retire and eventually come back. But though, it, you know, Batman's return and presence also brings back like Two Face and the Joker. You know, those guys were like, nah, we're done. <laughs> you know, sh- showing that Batman is not only uh, sacrificing his body and all that, but he's sacrificing the people to, you know, he knows that the world is safer even with bringing back Two-Face and the Joker uh, because he is out there. The Joker's like catatonic for most of, or at least like the first part of this thing, kind of waiting for Batman to come back on. This this is where the Joker breaks his own neck and kills himself at the end because he tries to get Batman to kill him and Batman won't go there. Even, you know, with everything going through his head, all the people that he's killed, the Joker, because Batman just wouldn't do it. And, you know... He still doesn't he still doesn't succumb even at the end. And then, you know, he's got to go through uh, one of his best friends at the end to kind of, you know, buy his own freedom. But, yeah, it's like, yeah, one A and one B. Read Watchmen, read the dark. I guess we're gonna have to put that poll up there. That's going to be fun, which is what's the greatest comic story of all time. Watchmen or the Dark Knight Returns. Whoo, that should be a fun. You You might as well just open that up for everyone. Like, here are our two. Give us more. Yeah. Exactly. Give us more. What do you think? So, wow, we could probably do our top four, you know, if we really, <laughs> really wanted to. One and two. I mean, we got uh, wait, we got Dark Knight Returns, Watchmen, Dark Phoenix Saga. What was your number two? Yeah, uh, number my two number two was, two Dark, was Dark, Phoenix. Dark Phoenix. Okay. Yeah. Maybe between those three, that might be a fun little vote. Nice run. I, I mean, there's and again, there's so many more. Like I, I, I'm looking back at my thing, and I want to bump Judas contract up because that is such a goddamn good story arc. And the number of ones that we didn't even mention death of Gwen Stacy, yeah. like huge one. Uh, we talked about uh, planet Hulk. One that is definitely not one of the best, but I love it is old man. Logan, old man. Logan is such a great and some of the craziest uh, stories and art in that, especially tying into Hulk like dear God, uh, just nuts. Age of Apocalypse, not up there. Red Sun, House of M. Dear God, we have so many, so many. Yeah, Death Winter of Soldier, Death of Wolverine. I mean that that was really good at the end of that. How how his healing factor is gone and how he dies. But yeah, there's uh, 
Yeah, Final Crisis, any of the Crisis stories. We talked Crisis on Infinite Earth. You've got all that. Neither one of us did Infinity Gauntlet or Days of Future Past. No, and I know Patrick hates Infinity Gauntlet, thinks it's horribly overrated. But I tell you the one that I really almost cracked my top 10, probably my biggest honorable mention, the Tower of Babel story arc where Batman's been infiltrated. He's got these contingency plans for all of the Justice League members. And the stuff that he came up with that gets stolen by Ra's al Ghul, whoo. My lord, that's uh, that's crazy stuff. Guys, that's going to do it for this episode of Bandwagoners. Ran a little bit long, but still got through that top 10 pretty expeditiously, Aesop. I want to thank you for putting in the work on this thing. I thought this would be a fun little project to do. Um, I think I, I think you had fun with it going back down some of these great Certainly. stories. And it was it was great for me to revisit some of these things. And hopefully people listening, you picked up on some stories to read. Any of these, any of the 20 that we talked about in detail. Well, I know it was less than 20, but with honorable mentions, 20, um, any of them are worth your time. Invest in that. So, Aesop, before I let you go, man, let people know where can they check you out on the social media and the interwebs and all that fun stuff. Sure. You can find me on Twitter at PC Tunny. Um, Make sure you go on there and uh, mention uh, what a piece of trash i am for yelling at children and uh, uh that's at pc tunny so at pc tunny to yell at asap okay uh also you can find me there uh, at dave and cut era at violent asap uh also give a listen to down the wire drops every tuesday lots of fun we got uh, the wrapping up of the playoffs or not the playoffs but the the second round of the nba playoffs so uh, we're going to have to talk quite a bit tomorrow. <laughs> Game seven's everywhere. Now we've had three in the NHL last night. Alone. So many. Jeez, they're just everywhere. There's two more today. Two game sevens in the NBA. It's I don't remember ever an NBA NHL playoffs quite quite like what we've got this year. It's insane. Uh, remember, if you disagree with uh, with DPP's opinion on uh, Dr. Strange, remember, you can send your hate tweets to at it's me DPP. He will appreciate that. I'm sure. You know, let him know that you disagree with him. As far as me, <laughs> you can check me out on Twitter at Attitude Ag. That is at Attitude A-G-G. And on Facebook.com slash Attitude Regression. Also, please make sure you are checking out Bandwagon Nerds at Bandwagon Nerds on Twitter. You can uh, you can even, if you want to message us and tag us there to say you completely disagree with our list, you think Patrick's right, you're disappointed that Craven's Last Hunt was only only an honorable mention on both of our lists, sorry. Lots of stuff to go through. Feel free to let us know. But that's going to do it for this episode of Bandwagon Nerds. Next week, I don't know. It's up to Patrick to fill in some space and come up with something because we're still a little bit out from Obi-Wan Kenobi talk. But you've been listening to Bandwagon Nerds right here on the Chairshot Radio Network, which is a part of the Chairshot.com.
The energy breakthrough I was working on just came to fruition. All these years, John was helping me replicate his power, unaware of how I planned to use it. You see, the comedian was right. Humanity's savage nature will inevitably lead to global annihilation. So in order to save this planet, I had to trick it with the greatest practical joke in human history. Killing millions. To save billions. A necessary crime. You know, we can't let you do that. Do that, Rorschach? I'm not a comic book villain. Do you seriously think I'd explain my masterstroke to you if there were even the slightest possibility you could affect the outcome? I triggered it 35 minutes ago. Quite how I imagined it, but we can still end on a high note. <laughs> You're in trouble now. <laughs> Go ahead. Say this has never happened to you before. Shut up. Make me. Come on, finish me. <sighs> Doesn't matter. I win. I made you lose control. <laughs> and they'll kill you for it. <laughs> See you in hell. <laughs> What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.